Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Also joining us in studio, the other co-host, a.k.a. the senior sports editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. It was Agatha the whole time? Yo, that song was number one on iTunes at one point. Still crazy. It, I am still kidding. blown away by that fact. Gentlemen, how's the day going? Not bad. It was Agatha the whole time. Coach is still talking about Agatha, and we are still going to be breaking down everything going on in the land of movies, TV, comics, sports, you name it. This is a special Fusion episode yet again on the ODPH, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links the T Public Store, the Parlay Points blog section, which has a new blogs count everywhere up right now, and so much more at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. So definitely head on over, click in, join in, because we have a lot to discuss. Kicking off this edition, though, is our recap of the latest episode of WandaVision, mm-hmm. the show that has taken over streaming, TV, and pop culture Slowly but surely. Well, so yeah, I saw an article. I think it was from BuzzFeed or somebody that was, it was like all the celebrities that were excited about the show, and it wasn't just like you know those in the show or tied to the mm-hmm. MCU. It was like artists and and other actors and actresses and and some directors that were like, yo, I can't wait for Friday. I'm getting the vibe from this show that this is having the same impact when The Walking Dead popped off. A little bit. I'm not saying, obviously, it's apples to oranges for stories, but when... I would maybe more Breaking Bad, because okay. that was like... I mean, Walking Dead was still a niche thing, but Breaking Bad like swept across the... Na- it was like Sunday night, you were dropping everything for that. Right, and... Especially that, that final season. Oh, I mean, the dude, final people season. People were like... If you didn't watch it and you went into wherever your place of work on Monday and you did not watch Breaking Bad that last season, you were literally just sat, sitting there not talking to anybody. Yeah, I just dug up the article. I mean, you got folks like Jimmy Fallon, Josh Gad, uh, like excited for it. Kid Cudi, uh, the, uh, the rapper, quote, mm-hmm. need WandaVision now. Yvette Nicole Brown excited about it. You know, Pedro Pascal, like, super excited about it. Yeah, when a show crosses over to pop culture that big, and like we say, Breaking Bad yeah. is a great example. Yeah. Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. If you miss the episode, you're shot wherever you go on social media. You're, you're shot wherever you go in public. You just are completely lost. Yeah, is what I mean by you're being yeah, shot. Friday, this. Friday morning. I mean, I know you guys are dedicated. And you you watch it early. Oh, hell yeah. I oh hell yeah. You know, I'm stuck. I gotta wait to watch it with Aaron, and we you know I gotta get through work. I gotta get through uh, Finn's football practice, and. You know, then I got to get our dinner, and then you know we sit down and watch it. So it's like seven, seven thirty by the time we get to it. And every time I click refresh on Twitter, I, I hold my breath. You know, because I'm yeah. like, I'm not that person. I'm not going to sit and not be on the internet all day. So you know, I, I roll the risk, and I know it's a calculated risk. I know what I'm doing, but. You know, um, f- to the credit for some people, you know, they put spoiler alert, dot, 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 so they give some space before they ruin it for you. Um, but 
I, you know, it's a calculated risk, but it's what I got to do. So it is, and it's a smart move by you to <laughs> just take your chances, but to look for the spoilers. And I will address something too before we get into the episode recap. There are a lot of places that are not even waiting two hours after the episode drops. Not, not even. There's people that are literally. I mean, one night I think I was up late and clicked refresh, and somebody already had a spoiler thing up at one a.m. Yeah, like already up. It's wild to see how everybody is posting. And this is not just like clickbait stuff. They're actually going full spoils. Oh, like, oh my like, God, I can't believe, you know, Quicksilver showed up in the episode. Like, yeah. Fucking what? Well, I hope now I hope Quicksilver doesn't show up, though, Pad, because then you might ruin it for somebody. Well, we know he's lurking around, <laughs> so he's got to swing back. But what I'm saying is I've seen, I've seen so many sites and posts are just giving everything away. And right. it's like, I'm just trying to instill into our ODPH society, which everybody's been great about, too. I think all our fellow podcast friends have been top shelf about not posting spoilers. I know Dre has been waiting till Mondays to do his Mundre recaps of episodes, too. We are enforcing the 72-hour embargo on social media. We will not be posting any spoilers of the episodes on our social media accounts. So we are a safe place to come and obviously not have the shows ruined for you, but we will definitely deep dive into recapping these episodes like we have been doing, and we're going to continue doing it for the rest of the year for all the shows and movies we watch. I mean, that's just the easiest way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So that all being said, let us deep dive into the latest episode of WandaVision, episode number eight, the penultimate. Uh, yeah, or pen- penultimate. penultimate. Thank you. I know, it's like speaking all this magic talk, it just kind of <laughs> flowed with it. So we are going to be talking spoilers about Episode 8, titled Previously On. So if you haven't watched it for whatever reason, we're giving you fair warning now. Pause the episode right here, watch the show, and then jump right back in. Because we're going to deep dive and analyze everything that is going on in Westview in 3, 2, 1. Pad. What did you think? I thought it was a really good episode. Uh, wasn't exactly the you know you know what to the wall. I figured it was gonna be, mm-hmm. but it was still very eye opening and, and a very revealing episode that I enjoyed a lot. Coach, what yeah. did you think? Yeah, it was hit deep. I mean, there was there was some real uh, portions of this episode that you're like, God, this has got to be tough to have to go through if you're Wanda. You know, I mean, just remembering and having to bring up all that tough memories and all the you know things that she kind of regrets in her life and having to revisit it like. You just, you know, like, you don't want to do that in your life. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You, you move on from it, and then you don't think about it anymore or try to dwell on it. And then, you know, here's Agatha making Wanda revisit all these haunts yeah. and just deal with it. So, yeah, we've all got moments in our life where we said something or did something that, you know, it's not a huge regret in your life, but you look back on it and you just get that, like, awkward feeling like, yeah, why did I do that? Mm. You know, and, and Agatha's just taking that Band-Aid, ripping it off, and taking the knife and just stabbing it in there and twisting it. How good has Catherine Hahn been She's on the been show? Fanta- so good. Listen, I honestly, I and I said I saw somebody talked about this that they probably won't get nominated because it's you know a superhero streaming series. Sure, but the work that everybody's done from the cast of WandaVision has mm-hmm. been so good. You know, not even her, but you know, obviously Wanda herself. Um, uh, Olsen, um, yeah, Liz, yeah, Liz, Liz, yeah, Olsen, and you know uh, Beatty with 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 Vision. It's, yeah, Paul yeah. Bettany's been absolutely. And, killing you know it. they've all been tremendous, and and it's something where you know it, it's a discredit to call this a superhero show because it's on so many more levels. Well, I think normally you'd be right, but if there's anything Hollywood likes to do, is pat itself on the back when it comes to award shows. Yeah, and, and I think get, and if this were Falcon Winter Soldier, I would agree with you 100. percent But I think because so much of this is steeped in the tradition and history of television 
it'll probably get nominated and win a few awards when it comes to the television. Yeah, awards. I don't know if. Yeah, I don't think it's going to win like some sort of like an Emmy mm-hmm. or right. a, or an Oscar level award. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it'll, the, it'll, it'll it'll win something because, like I said, Hollywood likes to pat itself on the back. Yeah, one of the one of the more mediocre, sure. you know, award show. Yeah, it'll definitely win something. It definitely will, and obviously, it's but earned, should win a more more. It's earned that right to be in the conversation because this show has been a pleasant surprise on all fronts and we've talked about this in the past when this show was originally announced nobody knew what we were going to get other than Wanda and Vision were going to be on it yeah (laughs) yeah we all had ideas we all knew that there were some certain stories we'd like to see told on the small screen they have dabbled in a little bit of each one yeah they've pulled a lot of things from a lot of text which works because given the fact that you know everyone oh it's going to be House of M like that wasn't realistic because there wasn't the base of the House of M story with right. mutants, you know. Even if Marvel purchased them, it still doesn't work, you know, to to retcon all of that history. So it's like you move on, you move forward, and and you know, obviously Feige, you know, knows what he's doing. So they've plucked bits and pieces from different uh, Avenger West and uh, traditional Avenger <laughs> comics and Wandavision comics, and they've put together this well crafted, thought out story. Yeah, and it's absolutely stepped its game up this week. We did get the backstory of Agatha Harkness, which we all knew. Yeah. That was, I think, probably the safest bet when this show came out that Agnes was going to be Agatha Harkness. Sure. And we do get the story about 19 or 1693. Yep. When you see that Agatha's mother was trying to kill her because she was practicing dark magic. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. a little awkward, but... It's like 1693 in Salem, Massachusetts, so, you know, no, um, Salem witch trials, that whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Aaron, Aaron had it, like, right away, because I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, if maybe... I thought maybe that was going to be the, the, the showing of Mephisto, or, like, something was going to happen that was going to help her break out, and she's like, she's going to suck their power away. Yeah. And I was huh? like... Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, because she does this amazing uh, scene where she does drain every life essence out of them. Yep. Yeah. And then you see that she's now fast forward into the present. And what her she's focusing her t- talents on is breaking down Wanda. Yep. Because even though she has been controlling, per se, the narrative, she still doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, well, I feel like she has an idea, but it's just like, you know, because she's been around a very long time, so she's got a pretty good idea of how magic should work and and who's got magic and who doesn't, you know, but I feel like it's just a case of she has an idea of what's going on, but it's like one and one isn't adding up to two right now in her head. I don't, I don't know necessarily if she was trying to break her down as much as she was testing to see what the true, well, A, she, you know, finding out how she created this because, like, it's you know she created an entire timeline of events mm. in a small community town that nobody had heard of, and B I think she's trying to test her limits of what Wanda's true power is, right? And see if maybe if this is like a legit thing or maybe just a fluke. You know I think back to you know Star Wars Episode One when when they bring in Anakin you know to the Jedi Temple to train him. You know I'm sure there's been instances where it's like okay yeah this person's force sensitive but it's just like not what they need for Jedi. Okay yeah she's using magic. Is this her doing or is this something else going on? Right. So where we go is through the timeline of Wanda. Yep. And we start going through the this is your life moment. I was just yeah. going to say that. And we start off in Sokovia yep. and seeing her and her family at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And we now get the backstory of, okay, why are we seeing I Love Lucy yep. and former TV shows yep. in this series? And it comes to find out that that's what her family was watching in Sokovia. Illegally. Yeah, well, it was what it was at the time. Oh, yeah. And then during this time, we do see that there is a war that is breaking out. Yep. 
And unfortunately, her family is wiped out per se. Which we knew from Age of Ultron. Right. right? So it wasn't a big spoiler there. But the only key element is we finally see her dabble with her powers a little bit. Which is debated. Which is the Stark bomb coming through their, you know, apartment building, landing with her and uh, Pietro underneath the bed, and her putting on a, a spell of yep. some sort to prevent the bomb from from blowing up. Yes. So from there, Agatha is, you know, saying, okay, this is where we started, and then we jump ahead a little bit. Which was the payoff to the toaster, though. Yes. Yep. So, so we are starting to get some payoffs from all those little Easter eggs we've seen. And then the next scene we jump into is where she is working with Hydra, mm-hmm. because... Yep. She felt that she had to retaliate. Which I love. I love the the line of so you worked with a fascist, uh, uh, anti government thing to overthrow an already anti government body. Like you know, just the yeah. irony in that. And Catherine, you know, and and uh, getting that pointed out to her, and like Wanda's like. I was young. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, when you put it that way. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. It was just a cool play on words that they were doing. And like yeah. I said, Catherine Howe was absolutely just, this is her episode. I know that we had the big reveal, but no, this is where she really shined because just playing the puppeteer here yeah. and pulling Wanda's strings, and we're now seeing the effect of when she was in the training, and you could see when she was working with Hydra, that, well, what you know, they were testing her out to be a, a perfect weapon. And then when they finally whip out an old friend... The Tesseract, mm-hmm. what happens? Now she sees an entity, you yeah. know, in almost Wanda, in uh, in her, I will guess what you could say, the Scarlet Witch garb, mm-hmm. you know, from the comics. So that's what she sees in the gem. Yes. And then her... Which, po- the funny thing is, too, is like, she, her relationship to that gem, I mean, has really been shown throughout the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of her pull to Vision. Yeah. Is the Mind Stone itself. Like, it's not so much vision, you know, as it is just her gravitating towards that gem that obviously called and spoke to her. That's a great take, Coach. Because I, I fully agree. Because once you see that her powers are now boosted yep. from being near the Mind Stone, this is where she really becomes the Scarlet Witch that we know. Because well, not the Scarlet Witch yet. Not the yet. Wanda with powers that we hadn't seen before. Right, but this is all leading to there because all of a sudden when her powers are just amplified to that level, it's a whole different <laughs> ballgame. And then we get a quiet moment too, which I have to say this is probably the one moment that has really stood out from this episode. And that is when she is dealing with the loss of Pietro at the Avengers headquarters. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she has the first run-in that we've seen like – privately with vision and they're sitting there and they're recapping what's going on. And Wanda is explaining about her grief and vision hits her with the line. But what is grief? If not love persevering. Yep. One of the dopest lines you'll ever hear on a sitcom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's great for vision too, because obviously his character, especially, I mean, so when you're going through these timelines, you got to kind of put yourself back into those movies Mm -hmm. too. And you got to remember like at that time with vision, he, you know, he was essentially sign, assigned to watch Wanda. Yep. Like, that was his job. So, like, um, and, I, you know, maybe the Mind Stone 2 played with him in his connection with Wanda, where, you know, he having the Mind Stone felt a connection to her that, you know, maybe it wasn't seen. But that was really the first time that we had seen a sort of um, f- emotional feeling from him. You know, like, and if you go back to the movie, you know, and think about, you know, the when they were assigned together, um, 
that really starts to show off in the in the Civil War movie where they're they're cooking together. You yeah. know what I mean? Like so, right. all these things, right. all these finer things are really you know him uh, going through the wall, like just like he did in that. Like yeah. all these things are really starting to, to pay off, and you're starting to get and see because more of it is adding up. Where you're like, oh shit, that's from Civil War. Oh, that's yeah. from. Ultron, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, because you think back to Civil War where he just walked through the door and she said, and I'm pretty sure she says, Vision, we talked about this. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's just such a cool moment, too, that seeing that connection, and you, and you brought up a good point, too, about how much the Mind Stone is affecting their relationship. Like, is it real or is it fake? Right. It's something that's debatable because... Well, I, I mean, not even necessarily real or fake. It's just, obviously, the Mind Stone is, a, is an entity of its own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Vision was obviously programmed separate, too. But, like, ultimately, it falls back to whatever the Mind Stone kind of dictates for him. Like, that's the overall overriding chip. So, like, maybe it's making him have a connection to her and vice versa for her. It's just kind of different from the, where the comics are. Because, yeah. obviously, where the Vision is tied in with Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man. Right, and that's where their relationship comes from. Right. We don't have that here because Vision's brainwaves are technically Tony Stark's in a weird sense. In a way, yeah. Yeah, it's like a roundabout way, but it's it's very unique in how this is all set up. It's comics, always, nothing's ever straightforward. Yeah, exactly. I always viewed Vision as not, you know, with the with the Tony thing, it was never really, you know, his AI, you know, his brain thoughts in there. It was always just, you know, the just the Vision in the Mind Stone acting out. Didn't they say what was it, Infinity War? Didn't didn't Bruce have the line? Listen, you're the best of Tony. You're the best of me, and you're also Ultron, all wrapped into one in some. You know, I forget the exact yeah, something, something like that, like that some yeah. verbiage. Because like they're, that's when they're talking about uh, getting the Mind Stone out of him so that uh, Thanos can't get it, and that's when Banner goes, "Listen, you're you're me. You're Tony. You're also Ultron." See, I always wondered about how Tony's brainwaves work. Because how the hell would he be able to pick up Mjolnir? Because Tony is definitely not on that list to pick up that hammer. I'm just saying. Yeah, oh, well, I, I mean, know it's comic. Listen, I know it's comics. It is what it is. Hey, Tony turned it around towards yeah. the end of that movie. I mean, he pe- he became a pretty sincere guy. Yeah, it just is like what what factors took over? Does he really have Steve <laughs> Rogers' brainwaves? And like, where do we go from here? I digress. We're going on a totally different tangent. But getting back to the show, though, we do get one big explanation scene, and we finally get what happened when Wanda went to sword oh man was this a bombshell or what yeah that you saw earlier on like okay this is the footage this is what hayward's telling everybody and, and, you know it, it was really edited out all it was was her landing and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you know yeah so all we saw was oh maybe she really did take him yeah. that's i mean i was i was a mark i was like wait you know that we're gonna see the part where wanda you know takes the body like oh my god like they're gonna yeah. actually and then you know she lands and or she, I mean, she talks to him. And yeah. She, well, she does the polite thing. She goes to the front desk. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> listen, I, I need to speak to the manager, please. I yeah. need to speak to the manager. And he, they have this conversation, and Wanda is just saying, I just want to properly bury him. And Hayward is saying, we're not burying $3 billion worth of vibranium. Which, I mean, the dude's got a point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah much you as he's a dick, he's yeah. got a yeah, point. I mean, but, it, it, no. he, it was twisting the knife. You know, I mean, he was definitely, there was a, there was... There's ulterior motives to his actions, right? There's there was ways that he could have worded it where it would have been more sincere. I but he's right though. You can't yeah. you can't bury that. Oh, well, there's better ways to phrase it and tell it to her, but not to get the result he wanted. Right? Exactly. Or, that's the point because Hayward is just seeing him as a weapon. Right. That's it. He doesn't see the humanity that was in him via the brainwaves. He doesn't see anything other than this is something we can capitalize on. Mm-hmm. 
and where he's trying to explain to Wanda is like, you can't let him go. This is where the, our story ends here. Mm-hmm. Right. That you can say your goodbyes here, but he stays put. Yeah. As they're fing, sawing him up still. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Sword does not play around. For anybody that thinks they're a nice, happy organization, no. Yeah, no. I mean, so here's my problem with this, though, is we've kind of already gotten the bad government entity with what we found out with S.H.I.E.L.D. in, you know, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a little bit of beef with rehashing it right away in the next gen of movies because obviously Hayward is being set up to be the villain in this and then ultimately lead to a clash with S.W.O.R.D. in some sort of fashion. See, I don't I don't view it as kind of like a S.H.I.E.L.D. Cap 2 type of odd. I think it's just S.W.O.R.D. itself is a good organization, just it's got a bit of a dick running it right now because its actual leader is up in space building a space station. That yeah. He's got that what he's doing isn't what I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's not what Fury told him to do or wanted him to do because let's face it, we know Hayward has ulterior motives he's got you know he wants to build this army of of visions so you know that they can have him at their beck and call he's just using wanda as a reason to go hey look thanos is gone but we still got these threats out here we got we got to do this yeah i just i don't know i've cause for concern when you know especially with the uh trailer for um the cat the the falcon Winter Falcon winter soldier them bringing up sword and what's going on behind the scenes and them like leading to potentially investigate them on top of um, you know, this, the, the uh, sword versus Wanda setup that we have right now. Like, I just have concerns that it's going to lead to this in some sort of fashion, which, I mean, they're already talking about how, quote-unquote, the good guys have now become the bad guys yeah. mm-hmm. in a way. And so it's obviously sword at the helm dictating this sort of narrative. Well, I mean, that could also just be if enough former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are now at S.W.O.R.D. and checks and balances are in place so they don't have another S.H.I.E.L.D. situation where yeah. Hydra gets inside and festers for decades. And I, it's just, hey, we I, see I, bad people. I hope I'm wrong. I just, I, I just, I feel like that's the narrative that's being created right I, now. I, I see your, your point, but I think had they not announced Secret Invasion, right. that I think that they might have gone in that direction because they have a, an ultimate retcon. Oh, well, the people that were being bad were the Skrulls. Right. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, even if they do set up, you know, Secret Wars, it's very easy that, you know, S.W.O.R.D. could be, you know, knowing things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, they could still be thinking that the superheroes are the bad guys because maybe the Skrulls are some of the superheroes. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Secret Invasion is going to just set off a lot of different things that you're going to see okay what is the true meaning of sword i mean are they really working with the full backing of shield like is there i mean there's just so many different ways you can go about it that you have that option there's been talk that they might be associated with the kree in some way too like i saw that rumor flying around like well it's just i don't know it'd be wicked weird it's just because of how different they've done sword from what we've seen in the comics right because in the comics they're dealing primarily with space it's not dealing with them looking for weapons Right, so, or and working there from the ground up either. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard any announcement, Abigail Brand or you know Henry Peter Gyrick or anybody that is somebody of that level for S.W.O.R.D. to be coming involved. And obviously, I think they want to wait until they introduce mutants because once they put Hank McCoy with that team, it's going to be a different story. Right. But that this episode, this scene, though, they really give the whole backing of Wanda taking off and thus going, just driving to where she was looking for the place in New Jersey. Not to, taking Vision, by yeah, the way. Not, not taking, taking him. No, yeah. not taking him at all. So all that footage was doctored. 
that Hayward wanted to just convince everybody working for him that, hey, I'm the good guy here. When really you're mm-hmm. not. Because once Wanda drives and she can't detect vision in Sword's building where they're hacking him apart, she just drives to a lot that they bought. So they were planning on living the life ever yeah. after and just doesn't happen. And during this time, she just unloads her magic. Did they also tip off that the place isn't, because I saw this online and I'll get your thoughts, did they also tip off that the place isn't called Westview? Yeah. Because she drove by the television store and it said like Westview or televisions or something like that. Yeah, it was something. It was, okay. a, it was a different city name. So this is where she just decides to establish this Westview because she's overcome with grief. No, the sign says Westview when she drives in. Did oh, it? Yeah. Did it? Okay. Yeah, the sign, yeah, the town sign says Westview. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I yeah. Missed, oh, yeah. As, I so that. as she drove in, there was the that that sign that was there says "Welcome to Westview." Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. And then when she drives in, you know, she obviously vision her block, bought a plot of land mm-hmm. to which. When the hell they did this though is really the the question that I have because I mean this is right after the end of the war with Thanos. Yeah. Right. You know, essentially, yeah, it's the end of Endgame. They've had Vision's body now for five years. Because Wanda was obviously snapped away. Right. So she's coming back to this five years later. I don't exactly know when they would have had time to buy this plot of land. Because they were pretty busy up until that point. I think that they did this during Civil War, to be honest. Or or after it, because there was that time after Civil War was over. And then when you see them in Infinity War, they're Mm -hmm. over in Europe. Right, on the run. On the run, hanging out. Maybe they did it in between Civil War and Infinity War. Like, hey... Let's buy this plot of land and kind of try and borrow from the show. Hide out in plain sight where nobody would expect us, and then it didn't work. Maybe they were waiting for it to settle down because obviously they were wanted for Mm -hmm. the Sokovia Accords. So maybe once things died down, they were going to do it. But go back to the episode. But it's all a good point, too, because, I mean, it's kind of one of those. It was literally when they did it. I was like, when? Like, when, when do you have time to do this, Wanda? Like, how do you have just randomly buy a plot of land in Westview, New Jersey? Like, you, you got time? You, also with what money? Well, you can just go Well, I mean, you're superheroes, so. Yeah. Well, superheroes don't pay well, though. Everything, yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm sure it'll, you can kind of get backtracked to, well, Tony Stark bought this to do something with it, but then he gave it to us for being a Vision Avengers. broke off a piece of his uh, index like, finger like and said, this vi- is about a million dollars worth of uh, uh, a vibranium vision, here, please. Vision yeah. hacked into Tony's bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say they'll do something like that, like to when they finally want to explain that. Yeah, plot. they'll never explain that. That, no, that. This is one of the things where it's like, all right, no, they will explain it because somebody will bring this up at a con. And yeah, then, all and right. This so will say Feige will have an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah Feige will have an answer. I, I guarantee it's probably going to be Stark in a last gesture bought everybody something. So like this was what they got, and then we won't see anybody else with anything else. I just want one more episode of Vision in a casino, just like rolling dice and just nailing stuff. P- you, penny slots. Just, I'm telling you, a fingernail, a yeah. vibranium on black, billion dollar payout right no, there. Yeah, he just phases his finger right through the yeah. slot machine. <laughs> Everything goes off. Yeah. Wacky hijinks. Feige, if you take this, just give us some credit. That's all we're asking for. But with this episode, we see Wanda, though, in her grief, though, she is just starting to create the world of Westview that we know. Just lost it. She just, yeah, she loses everything that is just sane, and she is just, okay, I'm bringing up the house we're going to have. Yeah. She brings back vision from her mind uh-huh. in one of the wilder sequences we have. Yeah. And then she's just establishing everything going through town. She's just turning into the vision of the world she wants to live in. Which it then did answer my question of how, you know, so 
because I'd wondered, all right, so if she didn't took it, take Vision, like, driving to Westview, I'm like, all right, so then how does he end up there, and yeah, how can he track him? And then, obviously, it's explained that she literally created Vision from her mind. That's why he was still able to, mm-hmm. to trace the vibranium decay. Yes. So it's a very cool explanation for but us. But also right. explains why when he tried to break away... Couldn't leave. Couldn't, couldn't leave. leave. Yeah. So we do get a lot of answers from this episode. And then we go to the shifting to the cliffhanger part of this. Yeah. Which was Agatha is now saying, okay, I figured you out, and I understand how you're doing this. Chaos magic. Mm-hmm. Which is not something anybody should be playing around with in any which way, shape, Called or Called her form. dangerous. Ah, what could go wrong? Yeah. And even to the point where Agatha says, you're a scarlet witch. She said the thing. She said the thing. Yeah, which everybody lost their minds about, too, which I'm like, listen, we all knew it was going to come out eventually. But she does have her twin boys on string, uh, like on ropes there. Yep. And she's, like, pulling them and just saying, you know, one more move and I, I will take your children out. Yeah, yeah. Which now the stakes are that high that now her children are in danger because there's ropes tied around them. So about around, Magic the, around their necks, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, so this is just, the stakes have just elevated that much where Agatha switches from being the puppeteer to now I'm going to get what I want. Which is Vision the slowest flyer on the face of the planet? Probably. Homie, like, I mean, Westview was not that big. Right. I mean, you, you, you left an episode ago and I mean, it's only been a four to five hour turnaround time between episodes, I would say essentially. Well, there's, I mean, it picks up right off where the last episode left. That is true. But there's also a couple of different factors we didn't get to see with this episode though, too. Right. Okay. One, we didn't see the Westview vision. Right. Two, we didn't see Monica and Pietro. Right. And three, we didn't really see about anything else going on outside of Westview except for the bonus scene. Uh, we didn't see anything going outside outside of the house, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Everything was just kept very self-contained, which they did explain a lot, which I did like about this episode. Yep. But I also thought, like, okay, maybe we should kind of have an idea of what's going on with Monica and Pietro and explain that situation. And then also, is anything going on outside the world? Now, we did get the bonus credit scene, which definitely threw some people off uh-huh. if you're not familiar with the comics it's fucking ultron <laughs> i'm telling you it's gotta be we'll we'll explain Hello, what the scene James is Spader. because suddenly hayward is standing in front of a robotic body a blue robotic body yes there's blue I, and I white. call it more white yeah blue yeah. White. yeah it's yeah is it green or is it blue yeah oh, let's no, not start it, that again we're not starting the dress debate but it, we find out that now vision has been put back together Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't been, take all the king's horses and all the king's men. No, surprisingly not. And he is reactivated. Was yeah. it him put together or was it Ultron put back together? That's one thing I was going to bring up because to jump into where we think this episode is going now, Ultron could be involved. Has to be. Dude, it has to be. He ain't it's, gone. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes, like, I just don't see it as being a evil vision versus a good vision. Like, I think that they were purposely bringing back Ultron. Like, I think that's what the end game was here because they knew that if they brought back Vision or Ultron, maybe they could control. Which is and, really he's the ultimate, and he's the ultimate sentinel weapon. Yeah. The true ultimate sentinel weapon. Yeah. No. In his final form. I think, because well, I, I didn't even consider the Ultron thing, I think it's a case of the, the body we saw at the end is the like physical body what's in Westview is the soul you know the the essence the personality that and and I also got to say 
I think Paul Bettany was pulling our goddamn leg the entire time. Oh, I've never acted with another this actor on screen before. It's his goddamn self. It's it's it, we know it's going to come down to that body gets sent into Westview. He's going to duke it out with himself, and that the actor he's uh, acting with on screen that he's never acted with before is himself. There's a lot of questions from this episode. I do agree with Coach. I think that we're going to get Ultron at some point involved with the white vision body. I just, two, there's two things. One, the James Spader theory that you had uh-huh. like three episodes ago where yep. he was gone from filming of his actual TV show. There was a week they were filming the current season he's on for Blacklist. That There was a week he wasn't there when they were filming an episode, and nobody quite knows where he went. And then two is there's been a common callback to Ultron. Mm. And common callback to and the fact they keep recommending it once the episode's over. Uh-huh. Sure, and they keep and they keep calling back to you know the Pietro thing and the gunshots and the oh Ultron killed. It's just his name's been thrown out a lot that it would just add up and make sense that yeah. the payoff would yeah. be him. I'll say because because and people would say oh well it's Wanda and Vision that's kind of like the first movie they're heavily involved in. Yeah, that's true, but. Every time I watched a Mandalorian this past season where Boba Fett was involved, it wasn't recommending Empire Strikes Back every single time. It wasn't recommending, you know, some of the other characters, you know, Luke Skywalker showed up. It wasn't recommending A New Hope or Return of the Jedi or something like that. It was recommending some random Star Wars movie. Should like re- it, it should, it, it's uh, very deliberately done. It should have recommended the Christmas episode. <laughs> uh, the Lego one? Yes, absolutely. That one's <laughs> no, they I mean, it's just, it, there's no way that they, it way that this show is working mm. everything has a meaning to something like there's literally nothing that goes on in this show that hasn't uh hasn't led to x thing or y thing also that would play into the whole quote-unquote luke skywalker level appearance in the show because let's face it for us the comic readers we know no one's ever truly dead but for the folks that they don't read the comics they just watch the movies if if Ultron shows up or Vision's body walks in there and you hear James Spader's voice coming out of it, the, the movie viewers are going to be like, wait a minute, what the hell? He's supposed to be dead. There is a lot of things that can ride on this because I could almost see this being a Glenn Negan situation. Oh, shit. Which I'm going to say if you have not read the comics, Yo. that if you're a mainstream fan, your head might explode on Friday because let's just recap. Agatha has magical ropes around the kids. So if you know the comics, you know what is arguably going to happen. Yeah, it's Disney. Those kids aren't dying. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. We might see them transform. And what I mean by this is Agatha might do something to this version of the kids. Sure. But I'm not saying it's out of the realm of thought that our bonus scene at the end of next or this coming episode, episode nine, is those souls leaving those bodies and now going into new bodies. Because Maybe. that is what happens in the comics to a degree. It's a little more complicated, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But if you know anything about Speed and Wiccan's origins... You understand that this is a possibility that could happen. I think the thing that's going to lead Wanda to snapping is going to be essentially watching Ultron Vision kill Vision again. Or, well, this time, doing it for the first time. Watching him die. And then, I don't maybe her not being able to get her or her maybe having to kill Ultron Vision. And just the grief and the anger and the rage just finally make her snap. 
Well, I, I think um, to build off of that, I think it's going to be Agatha, quote unquote, kills the kids. Mm-hmm. That kind of pushes her closer to the edge. You know, not that she's already standing on the goddamn edge. She's going to try and get after Agatha. Ultron Vision will show up, stop her, and that'll just be the final. You know, that'll be a kills Vision. That'll be her Vision. That'll be the final, you know, kick off the ledge. That definitely could happen. Because if you know anything about the white Vision in the comics. It's heartless. Yeah. He <laughs> is He is literally. To put it mildly. He is literally a version of the Terminator. Right. He has, yeah, he has no soul. He is just a machine. And he even says to Wanda, I don't love you. I don't know you. At one point, there's and, one and I don't know these, and I don't love these kids too. Yeah, doesn't say something about yeah. that. Did it just get cold in here? Or is it just me? Yeah, we're going to see something like that happen. They're going to Disney it. The language, though, say they'll pull it back a little bit. Yeah, they're not going to be as cold as it was in the comics, but the same version is going to happen. So when she loses her kids, she loses vision. She's going to snap and send off a psionic rip through the timeline. That is how we're going to get to the multiverse of madness. And then we might see oh, yeah, Agatha Benedict Cumberbatch appearance. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to appear in some stage. Now, is he going to come in and save the day like he did in Avengers Disassembled? I'm going to say no right now, but I don't doubt that they borrowed that for well, Doctor so Strange. He could just show up and be like, "What did you do?" Yeah, it's no. definitely. It, I don't think this series wraps without him some sort of appearance. That just it makes sense. Oh, he's locked. It's the Disney move, you know, him landing on I'll say it, it's the it's essentially, you know, for the some of the early MCU films, the teaser at the end of the end of the credits teasing the next movie. I mean, it can literally just be him landing and seeing the hex. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be much. I, I at least not for me. Uh, yeah, no, I think that if they teased it that way, I think it would be fine. Like, we already know he's going to be in the episode. And, I mean, to be fair, like, there's been a lot of people like, oh, you know, how does he not know about it now? I mean, we don't know the exact timeline of what right. like, the times inside the bubble. I mean, obviously, outside the bubble, we've seen day, we've seen night, so we know at least a day or two has gone by. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe Strange didn't pick up on it right away. Maybe well, you know, and, it, and it may be a case that he's looking at it and using his magic and his abilities to sit there. And, and he's aware of the situation, but he's kind of just going, okay, why don't I let them try to take care of this before I come in, you know, guns blazing, yada, 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 and try and fix it. Why don't I let them try and figure it? And then as, you know, he gets busy, he lets him face it. He's a Sorcerer Supreme. He's a fairly busy individual. He's got the entire, you know, universe, dimension, whatever you want to call it, to defend. You know, so he turns around and goes, oh, and then he comes back and goes, oh, shit, wait, this has escalated a lot further than when I last looked at it. Uh, I need to step in. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different possibilities they can go with. I think the quick cameo would make sense. I'm not doubting we don't have two mid-credit scenes in this one. Oh, absolutely. Um, And then the people that are, like, saying, like, this is making me uh, rehash my, like, appreciation for Age of Ultron. It's not a bad movie. No. Like, I don't understand. Everybody, like, apparently, like, I thought it was a good film, and then I thought other people did, too. And then all of a sudden, like, now WandaVision with all these payoffs, everybody's, like, going back, and they're like, oh, Age of Ultron's, like, a great film. It was good from the Jump Street. Like, no, it's not. It's original, and, you know, it's definitely not Infinity War and everything, but, like, if you rank the Avenger films, yeah, it's the worst one. But look what it's up against. That's the problem it had, because when it came off the first Avengers... I'm sorry. Everybody expected to be Empire Strikes Back, and it was more like the Phantom Menace. It, it whoa, was, whoa, not that bad. No, no, Jesus, dude. 
Well, here's here's where my argument is with it. That I, was that was harsh. You should apologize. No, I'm not apologizing. That was it. too far. It's a good movie. Like I say, it's good in its parts, but I think for where it, it could have been, I think it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's where I say with that. I mean, yeah, I didn't, it I didn't been, say it was Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could have been better, but like you got to think. There was a, a a shit ton of moving pieces throughout oh, yeah. that yeah. film, and yeah. I, and I think they did uh, they struggled to juggle it. That was the one problem I have with it. That I think sure. that if there's anything I take away from Age of Ultron, you had so many characters involved that less was more and should have been done with this. Yeah, and you completely mismarked a couple different areas that took away from the film. Like, do I still think it's a good film? Yes, yes, I do. Sure. I don't hate it like Thor: The Dark World. Or Iron Man 2, yeah. which, quite frankly, I can retcon for just one scene out of both of them and I'll call it a fair day. That is how much like I, I think of Age of Ultron is better than, hmm. but it is the worst Avengers movie of the bunch. But, like I said, there's just certain elements of it that can work, and I just think they juggle around too much. I mean, for me, uh, Endgame is probably number one, Infinity War number two. After that, it's it's a real close type of thing just because don't get me wrong i love the first avengers movie but that middle section of the middle third of the movie is a little weak in my opinion you know it's got a great beginning it's got a great ending once you get to new york and you start the battle of new york but it's just that kind of middle section where it's kind of like all right we're spinning our tires in place here a little bit you know so it's it it, depending on the day and depending on my mood honestly my ranking of those you know the first avengers movie and then age of ultron fluctuates but no i mean i, I agree with you it's a good movie it's got its flaws it's it's by no means perfect but i it's still enjoyable so no i, I just don't get why people are like you know this is making me a reappreciate age of ultron well i think that we like we said the ultron backlash is it wasn't up to standards sure where it should have been sure in, in a lot of fans eyes and i in like coach touch it juggles way too many people involved yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Of, obviously, we're introducing two new characters. We're also well, getting four, this, technically four, yeah. and then we're also getting this ultimate bad guy who was supposed to be, I don't know, un, unbeatable, you know, in a way. Right. And I mean, unfortunately, it it it's um, part of the problem. I think is that it's also a um, it's a film that's who's the director again? We, oh, Joss Whedon. You know, so I think it falls on on his need to add comedy in moments where uh-huh. yeah. where there's relative yeah. relativity where it's not really needed. You know, like it could have been a more uh, dark tone. You know, like you could have had still the the opening jokes because obviously they're gonna go in, they're gonna crush. Um, you know, the opening, the bad guy. Yeah, the opening yeah. sequence. Yeah, the, yeah. the opening is sequence is great. Like yeah. that works. Like introduce. You know, do all that, and then obviously, you know, when you get to uh, you know the Ultron stuff. Like it could have gone a more darker, ominous direction because, like, that's what Ultron is ultimately Facts. as a bad guy. You know, and I mean, there's still the moments of comedy and 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 jokiness, which really wasn't what the Ultron character should have. So I think in that aspect, yeah, it suffers. Like that's my big. When I walk away from that film, I always think back to the, um, you know, the opening fight scene with them in the thing and. And just all the Ultrons flying around and still them joking around while they're still fighting these bad guys. And I'm like, you know, you look back and you're like, yeah, you know, like, it's just, it's weak. I mean, it's just, to me, it seems like maybe Whedon couldn't handle that many characters on screen together at one point, at one time. Because you look at some of the directors they've had 
new films since. You know, the James Gunn's, the Taika Waititi's, you know, the Whedon, or not the Whedon brothers, the Russo brothers, mm-hmm. who, who have all handled a lot of moving pieces on screen very beautifully. Can you imagine the Russo brothers getting a hold of Ultron? Yo. And what that could have, what that film could have looked like? But you look it back mm-hmm. to Avengers 1, where, let's face it, it's a relatively small contained cast. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there's other people and other characters moving in and out of it, but they're not main focuses. It's a good movie. Age of Ultron kind of expands on that cast, and it and it fails a little bit because of just Whedon's directing style where I think Whedon works best when it's a small contained cast. Yeah. You've got other people floating in and out and making popping out Maria Hills, the Sam Jackson's, you know, uh, the one doctor guy who was a buddy of Thor's popping mm. popping in and out. Like, okay, that works fine. But once you got to that next movie where it's like, all right, we're expanding the cast. There's going to be a lot more people here, a lot more involved. And it just didn't work as well with his directing. Style. And to, and to Ween's credit, I mean, the first Marvel film, had the moments of of the jo- jokiness, like yeah. Yeah. there was moments that called for that because of the characters and the in the scenarios that they're in and the villain they're against, who Loki, you know, the yeah, yeah. prince of uh, joke, Got a mischief. right? Yeah, mischief. So like, it leads to that sort of humor, you know. I mean, the the Hulk smashing him, the puny god thing, like that stuff works. But like I'll when you're Tony, going Tony with the Galaga, mm-hmm. yeah, the Galaga. Line. Oh yeah, but when you go into this source material and you have Ultron, who literally in the comics, like gave nightmares to the Avengers, like was a prominent figure in the uh, Marvel universe as a bad guy throughout what the eighties and part of the nineties or seventies. He's always been lurking. Yeah. He's always been lurking. Yeah. But there was like, there was that time frame where like he was very, very like, I mean, he did damage to what, you know, the Avengers and who they were. Probably my, one of my favorite stories is the Kurt Busiek and George Perez run with him. Yeah. So, I mean, when you and you look at that source material and what he did, like he literally gave nightmares to these characters that now in this film, it was very jokey. Spader had a bunch of one-liners yeah. and it was funny. And it was still, but the overall theme of the movie was still good because it showed the story of the fact that um, Ultron was a you know an, an ultimate villain to them. It yeah. just it didn't pay, the payoff was lacking. Sure, and, but it's still a goddamn good film. So stop saying that WandaVision's making it better. It's still good. Yeah, it it's still watchable. Like I say, it's not unwatchable. Like I don't go into it going, oh god, this is Thor: The Dark World. Sure, sure. Because yeah, that that's my like nope. I will go watch whatever. So. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Daredevil from 2003. I'll watch the director's cut and I'll be fine with it. I'll watch Elektra before I watch Thor: The Dark World. Wow, I'll tough. make a bold wow. statement. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that is. Uh, all right, I'm just gonna save that maybe for a Patreon episode down the <laughs> road. But going to where you're touching upon, for everybody that's, that is rehashing about Age of Ultron, I think this show has sparked some interest in it and to yeah. say like, okay, maybe we should reexamine and see what worked and what didn't. Because when you follow the source material and if you really hold up to the characters of it, it will make sense and it will balance out. The fact is, with this show, they're going to be dabbling around Ultron. They're going to be dabbling around Agatha Harkness and whatever she's going to play the factor in. I don't know if they're going to go the full comic route with the Avengers West Coast story with Vision, and or the White Vision, rather, because I don't know if they're going to do a Mortis. But that's why I think it works with Ultron. I'd agree. You know what I mean? Like, he can be the... I don't, you know, I don't care who you are to her, you know. They'll dabble in it, I think, but they won't go full tilt. But now that the seed has been planted, I mean, they'll be, if they want to revisit it down the line and bring it back, they'll have this opportunity now because let's face it, the blueprint is now there for them to build or rebuild, I guess you could say, 
uh, vision. Mm-hmm. So if they want to do, if they want to go that full route down the road, they now will have the ability to. But they'll they'll dabble in it. Yeah, like I say, there's so many different directions they can go. Mortis would be a complete left field one, but if you read the comics, it's not out of the realm of thought, especially since they introduced Kang. I just don't think they would introduce a Mortis before Kang. I think that'd be too confusing for the fans. But this episode has definitely set the groundwork for what is going to be the most talked about episode of the weekend, let yeah. alone, uh, I would say, the first quarter of 2021. Yeah, I'm just going to say right now, if you are not able to watch the episode like within the first couple of days, just delete social media off your phone. Yeah, you're definitely going to need to. It, it's going to be nigh impossible to avoid spoilers. I'm yeah. just telling you right now. Yeah, and I'll even go on a bold prediction, too. I'm still saying Downey Jr. is going to be voicing something. And that's yeah. going to make the internet snap. Because if his brainwaves are in uh, Vision, as well as Ultron, and as well as Bruce Banner, you never know those cameos might be in there. But we're all have to wait to see what happens on Fridays, shall we? But in the meantime, let's talk about it offline, shall we? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation on social media. What was your thoughts about WandaVision Episode 8 previously on? And what is your thoughts going into the finale this coming Friday. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend? Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? Or we're the Rum Runners Podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week, we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at RumPod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and time to take a trip to Smallville. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, wrong, wrong uh, actor. Yes, indeed. But we have to definitely talk about the CW's biggest hit right now, uh-huh. renewed for season two already. Already before yeah. episode two even aired. Yeah, yeah. huge Which had me hyped. Huge move going on there. So congratulations to everybody at Superman and Lois. One point two four million viewers last night. Down a little bit from the premiere, but that's to be expected. It's to be expected. But this show has definitely captured the panel's attention. Yeah, I think this is on the must-watch list for everybody because it came with that strong debut. The week prior. Yeah. I will say for CW, it definitely stood out. It didn't have that CW feel to it. It's got an HBO vibe. It, it kind of teetered around that. Like, And that's one thing I really loved about it, too. But we are going to be deep diving into episode two, titled Heritage. So if you haven't seen it yet, pause the episode right here. Jump into watching the episode because we definitely want to interact with you. We don't want to spoil anything for you. But we are going to be talking about it. So we're giving you fair warning now because in three, two, one... Coach, what did you think? Man, so I uh, went into episode two, and we had talked about on the show after the premiere that, you know, I had said, be prepared for episodes without Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be Clark and the family dynamic. And I was wrong. (laughs) We got a lot of Superman. We got a fuck ton of Superman. We got enough Superman to wrap your brains around for the next 10 years, I feel like, because this episode was action-packed i was definitely surprised you know uh the episode kind of starts off with uh captain luthor which i i really wasn't expecting you know to, to see him 
so early. I really thought like we were going to get tapered episodes. Like I really thought we were going to, they were going to slow things down a little bit to try and ramp back up. Fantastic. It was so well done. See, they did. Superman was still in the episode, but he wasn't the main focus. It definitely was more of the family dynamic and what's going on with the kids and Lois and all that. So, yeah, Superman was there. Yeah, there was action action sequences with it. But at least in my estimation or my kind of feelings about the whole thing, he wasn't the main focus. And, and that was a good thing. No, I just didn't think we'd see him at all. Oh, like, okay. I thought literally there would be episodes where he doesn't put the suit on. Right. That's what I was thinking. Gotcha. No, I thought it was a great episode, all things considered. Uh, peeling back the onion, I guess you could say, a little bit on what's going on and, and who's who. But definitely has got me intrigued and wanting to know more. Tyler Hoechlin. 10 pounds. What a job. Even I know, 10 pounds. I figured I'd let you get that in. <laughs> but what a job he's been doing. On yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I know it's been a short time he's been in the role, but, man, he is just making it seem so natural for him. Yeah. And where we jump in this episode, we do pick up where Captain Luthor is uh, recapping the events of what had happened uh, from previous uh, his previous encounter with Clark Kent. And he's searching now for kryptonite. Yep. Where he's having struggles finding it, which I thought was kind of an interesting play because we knew that with his big debut, he was going to be able to have it on demand, per right. se. But now he's struggling to complete his mission. Which, which we, is odd. Which we still don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I, I, you know, it was a little interesting because obviously in the Man of Steel movie, Kryptonite was not prevalent at all and, and yeah. was allegedly not going to be around in this universe, you know, in the Snyder universe until obviously that changed in uh, Superman versus Batman. So Why did you say that name? Yeah, sorry. No. Uh, to, to see um, him struggle because there's been so many weird iterations of Kryptonite. It's either yeah. been yeah. abundant, not existent, or you know, or everywhere. You Smallville, know, just, Smallville shows up at least once a week. Yeah, fucking Smallville was like daily. You know, it was every five minutes there was a yeah. reference to kryptonite. Yeah. So you just never red knew. Kryptonite. Yeah. yeah, red kryptonite, yellow kryptonite. There's blue kryptonite. Oh, Jesus. I forgot about the blue. Yeah. yeah. So there's so many you know iterations of it. So I to see this episode where you know now Luthor is struggling to find it, I found so interesting um, that he couldn't get it. Like, so that's great. I love the fact that it's going to be difficult for the villains to be able to obtain this because I hate it when it's so easy for them to find because then it just makes Superman not Superman. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem that you have with Superman villains is when it comes so easy, but Superman can defeat him so easy. Right. Yeah. It, you know, John Cena-esque. Yeah. yeah. It, it almost has that feel. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> but this show that obviously our antagonist for this run is going to be having some challenges, which mm-hmm. is a good It's a good story yeah. to see because, like yep. I say, yeah. when it's too easy, it's not fun. But going to the dynamic of the Kent family, Clark is now taking a more focused in interest on his son, Jonathan Kent. So he's also the only one adjusting well to this at, in any way, shape, or form. Jordan. Or Jordan. Jordan, Jordan. I'm yep. sorry. I mean Clark. Yeah, no, Clark's, yeah. The, Clark's the only one in this entire family unit adjusting well to any of this. Well, we find it's just out. The, Lois is a little bit better at, I think, uh, keeping quiet about it. Yes, because Clark has to take Jordan, which I apologize for the mistake. It's okay. I, I forgive. I hope so, yeah. Coach. I hope so. <laughs> that he winds up taking the interest and in trying to figure out, okay, what's going on with your powers? Because they keep, they're keeping him out of school, and they do the flight to the Fortress of Solitude. Which, Jonathan, has a great line of, he gets to fly with Dad, and I have to get driven to school? school and, and his mom has the, <laughs> the probably the worst you know retort a, a parent can give a kid. At least we have the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth really? Like, he's getting to fly across the planet 
I have a radio. Elizabeth Tolich is obviously it was fun. It was balancing out here, and yeah. her timing with her lines coming back to is spot on. But as this is going on, so we're now we're getting the history of Krypton. We get to the fort- our, this version of the Fortress of Solitude. Yes, and they have a run-in with Jor-El via... Yeah, which Holland. now we find out Jordan's name yes. is yeah. from Jor-El, so that answers that question for everybody. So now we have Jonathan... And Jarrell, so now those names mean and get we get why those names were picked. Yes, it's a cool throwback to the history of Krypton, and, and we're kind of understanding the dynamic of the family a little better from the Kryptonian side. I also I have a little beef again. Um, the actor for Jarrell, not to discredit you in any kind way, sir. I just it could have been an opportunity to land maybe a previous Superman, you know, that would have been interested or. Uh, an act, you know, maybe a well-known, established, uh, bigger name actor, um, and you know, it just it wasn't big payoff. See, I don't think they would have been able to, of uh, course, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, the only way they were able to get Tom Welling to come back for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover was he saw the story and he goes, "This is the one story I can not say no to." Right. So I, I don't think. No, I know he. I mean, he's to. too young anyway. But I'm just saying, like, when you list the actors that have played Jor-El in previous things, mm. and you know, Marlon Brando, Russell Crowe, like, yeah, I mean, it's a who's who. Like, Mar, like the the Jor-El character is a character of. Of gravitas, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, because the mythos of Superman really stems from him telling the story, and you know, it kind of landed a little dud for me. Well, I think you also have to realize too, this is a CW. TV I show. know it is, yeah. but you know, the CW's done it before, though, um, with actors. You know, like I mean, they've gone out and they've gotten guys to you know play other roles in in you know, they got Kevin Connery Conroy to be Batman so- in. Christopher Reeve did appear in Smallville. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it, it's not. Albeit, little... albeit he was like a scientist, you know, uh, you know, uh, astronomer. Type. Right, but I just say that for where they're working with, I'm all right with the with the casting of it. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't yeah. struggle. It's just because I always think with that's with, fair with how they do their stuff. It, you weren't going to get somebody of a of a Hollywood level per se to come on every week. For I, I also no. feel like they wouldn't want to lean on that crutch a little bit of like, oh hey, look at check out the person who's going to be on the show this week, and, and it's like you know leaning on like, hey, we want to be our own thing, we want to establish our own uh, foothold. And yeah. I mean, I get it. I just I don't know. To me, and it doesn't need to be you know fucking Russell Crowe showing up on yeah. a CW show, but I'm just saying like there could have been something with a little more gusto. No, I mean, that's a fair take, and you're entitled to that. Thank you. I'm I, glad that I am. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, just a little more pizzazz, you know, a little more charisma. Like, even his scenes where, you know, he's uh, the opening scene where he's like, we already tested the boy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was a little dry. Yeah, like, ah, uh, you know? Yeah, so I, I think for where he was working with, yeah, could he came with a little more, you know, something? Sure. But he was just getting the job done of just explaining well, we've tested Jordan, and there's nothing really to him. Yeah. So what does an AI know that Clark doesn't? We're going to find out as the series goes on. Then you flip back to Jonathan, who's now adjusting to high school life and is struggling with the football team. So, I mean, this is kind of goes into normal teenage drama. So, also dealing with he's normally the one getting all the focus and attention, being a star quarterback, good in school, popular with the kids, and all of a sudden, eh, 
eh, focus the family focus isn't on you, my guy. Yeah. So I mean, this side plot not the the biggest earth shaker, but you have to understand with obviously kids being involved, they want to do something. That it's also makes early sense. small. It's like early Smallville, you know, high school yeah. drama. Yeah. Nothing super to write home about. No, I thought his stuff was really good because yeah. I mean, now here he is coming from Metropolis, where it's a big city thing. All yeah. eyes are probably on that town. Yep. He's going to be the starting quarterback as a freshman. So you know. And then he goes to this rural town where he thinks he's going to walk in the door. His shit don't stink. And, you know, now he's getting a little check of reality as, you know, the the big story was the playbook in this episode where, you know, the playbook was supposed to be sent to him and wasn't, so he didn't get the study up. And then he did get it, and everybody was like, listen, this, the playbook's complicated. You know, oh, no, I've got it. You know, I've, I think I can handle it. You know, and, and, and then he doesn't. So I thought that was really telling of the fact that, you know, here's a kid who has to have a little dose of reality as now he's finding out his brother has powers. Yep. Mm. His dad's Superman. His mom's the greatest reporter in the world. He was supposed to be the, you know, incumbent, cool kid, star quarterback, and now he's going to this small town where he probably would have been a big fish in a small pond, and he's just another fish. That's a fair take. I just thought it was just basic... No, it was. Stuff. Like, yeah. it, for him, this episode was really just fodder. Like, it was yeah. just moving it along a little bit because, obviously, Jordan was the was the episode mm-hmm. this was about. You know what I mean? So, for Jonathan even just to get a little bit of shine, though, I yeah. thought was cool, you know? Oh, yeah, and, they, 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 and they had to do it because I feel like if they did, right. people, people would have gone, well, why didn't, you focus, why didn't you focus on him? Why was it the episode on, entirely on the other kid? Is I the, mean, it, these episodes are fucking hour long. Yeah, like, no, no, that's 43 minutes. That's so, the whole like, thing. So to get everybody their time, it's yeah. tough. It's everybody's. It's tough for them to get their stuff in and get and out. That's why I thought Superman wouldn't show up in episodes because they only got 43 minutes. Right, but where he shows up, it really makes an impact. But it just goes off of what they're investigating in Smallville. I mean, this is where Lois is now attending council meetings. And lo and behold, who shows up from Metropolis? Morgan Edge. Yes. And ex- what does Lois do? But put her foot in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> she obviously lets him know what's up. And they have that exchange because of what Morgan Edge is planning for Smallville. Yeah. But when Lois is trying to speak up. She's, she's, she's doing her due diligence as a reporter. She is. Looking up facts, looking up what ha- what's happened in places he's been, presenting those facts. But then he turns it back on her. Yes. So during this point, Edge is claiming that he's going to pull his offer off the table, which yeah. would affect everybody in the small town. So Lois and, 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 lo, and lays the blame at her feet. Yeah, you know, well, she brings up claims and uh, issues, and they're legitimate issues that it should be brought up. But he turns around and goes, "Well, I mean, if we want to, if we want to table that discussion, we certainly can. That's a discussion that Smallville has to have, and lays it at her feet and makes uh, Lana's husband there, you know." Very angry with Lois. That doesn't yes. that doesn't take much. No, it doesn't take much because where he is coming in, he reminds me a lot of Lex Luthor from the comics in the mindset mm. of Smallville is his city to save. Sure, yeah. And outsiders coming in, this is not going to work. No, yeah. no it's yeah. like I talked about last week. It's one hundred percent being set up as. He is, in his eyes, the hero and the protector of right. this small town. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly the vibe they or the the way they went with it in Smallville, at least the early seasons of Smallville, which you know I'm rewatching because it's it's very much that like uh, Lionel gave Lex Smallville as just project like all right, you got to learn a few things and you know you're gonna come crawling back to dad, but like he starts actually doing well with it, and and there are points and there are episodes where Lex looks at his father and goes, "Why are you here? This is like this is my project." Yeah. It's just kind of a cool play that they're going to go back and forth with. So, obviously, they're setting him up to be an antagonist, too, in Smallville. But the major antagonist of the show still is Luthor as of right now, where we get one of the wildest fight scenes. Yo. 
for CW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bravo. Like yeah. HBO uh, budget there. Well, so. I mean, first Sam shows up and says that they have a track. I mean, don't forget about that scene with Sam because that scene yeah. with Clark and Sam is very telling mm. for little, the episodes. Because uh, Sam, you know, lets him know that they uh, tracked him to that armory where they don't know what he was searching for, but nothing was taken. But, you know, essentially the bad guys were, you know, let go of. Yes. <laughs> or, yeah. uh, or eliminated. Uh, and, uh, you know, here they come uh, and he explains to them that they have a track. You know, he flew the ship this time. They have a tracker on it or they're going to be able to, to use satellites to image it and find it. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the conversation changes from Clark saying, well, let me know when you got something to now, why did you move everybody out here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or no, Clark telling the, telling him that they told the boys yeah. to Sam Lane now being, well, Sam figures it out. Yeah. Sam being pissed because he thinks that that's going to ruin, you know, their life. And then he has a very powerful line, which I mean, in a marriage, you know, you, you kind of see this because obviously your burden is their burden and yeah. vice versa. Um, you know, and we don't really see that story told for Lois mm-hmm. that I've seen what you being Superman has done to Lois. She doesn't tell you, but I see it. And for a father to say that about their daughter you see those things, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and being a dad, I see that in my kids when they have, um, you know, uh, problems or whatever, you see it on their faces. And being a husband, I know my shit falls on my wife. So, like, I – and I, but I can't see it the way, you know, her dad can see it. So, like, I when I heard that line, I was like, oh. And, and they didn't pay it off enough, but, damn, like, that cut deep. Like, I was like – that's a line, you know, yeah. like that's, yeah, yeah. and that really, I think is starting to set up the dynamic of Clark and Sam's relationship because at the end of the day, Clark, is, you know, Sam's in the military. So his job is protecting his country, but Superman and or Clark, his, his dynamic and his priorities are changing to now being a family and wanting to be able to establish a life with his kids and not just priority of Superman. Yeah, I also feel like it's Sam using Clark a bit of a, as a weapon or a, oh, absolutely. As a sword because you get to later in the episode where you know the the DOD or wherever Sam is stationed is getting attacked, and somebody at one point says, "Why isn't he here yet?" Well, and then yeah, so then he picks up the phone, and now we get our fight scene. Yeah, because now he has to go fight Luthor, and Luthor just says his ship has the bomb on it and is going to destroy the city. So yeah. after they have this amazing action sequence, which I will say this, the special effects team of this show has really captured Superman in flight. Uh-huh. For sure. Which it literally looks like it's jumping out of the page and jumping out of the screen. Well, somebody said, too, that a lot, like that scene in particular was a real callback to a Man of Steel. Yeah, slash, I had vibes of that. Yeah. Uh, slash Superman Returns scene, which I didn't, I mean, if I go back and watch, I might be able to pick it up, like, in the heat of the moment. I didn't see it, but... Yeah, I mean, it was pivotal fight scene. Like, it was, or uh, it was a fantastic, just the, the in-air fighting, you know, which Man of Steel really captured because oh, yeah. it hadn't been done, to me, very well. And, I mean, that's no, why Superman Returns right. really tried to stay away from it because it was so difficult to capture. Um, and Snyder really nailed it with the with the, the nuances and the action, the captions of the camera and everything. So, like, for a TV show to nail it the way that they are, 
kudos. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, because you think back to Man of Steel, especially when he's fighting Zod in, in uh, Metropolis, and he's just whipping through the city at like a million miles an hour. You're like, wait, holy fuck. It's where, fucking poetry. Where are we going? I got You get some of the same vibes with these first two episodes here where there are points they're going around so quick, it's like, holy shit. But, but it's, it's, it's literally, you're seeing it. It's poetry. It's yeah. playing in motion to you. Facts. It is so amazing to watch. And like I say, I'm just blown away by how they're pulling this off. Because it is not an easy feat to do. But then we got our super, second Superman falling out of space scene, which, I mean, if that's going to be a common theme, I guess we're going to get one every episode. Now I just hope that since they've done it two straight episodes, let's just do it the rest of the year. Yeah, Fuck it. it like, let's just, let's just have Wil- that be a recurring thing. It's their Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think this is <laughs> perfect point, Pad. Perfect point. I, I, I mean, it happened again. I'm like, I turned to Aaron. I'm like, well, here's our he's falling out of space scene again. I guess this is going to be a thing. Well, I think they just really want to establish about, like, okay, he's not so kept on Earth that he can go in space if he needs yeah. to. And I understand they're, they're trying to establish a lot with his character, and that being of Superman and, like, right. what he can do and what he can't. That I think that maybe this will be something they'll do for a little bit, especially since Luthor has to deal with space and with the ship. I mean, well, the, I mean, where else is he going to send the bomb, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, I was like... What else are you going to do with it? No, but no, he did perfectly and obviously fall on the earth, and then he had time to come and make the barbecue. Thank Which, God. <laughs> that, fucking, that dude dancing at that barbecue, I walked in. Good like, Lord. Like, first off, Lana with the awkward like introduction, like it's a barbecue. Like, yeah, your husband's going to be grilling. Like, what do, you, what do we think? It was going to be catered? Because yeah. like, she walks in, they see him barbecuing, they're like, Oh, it's become kind of a thing with him barbecuing. Like everybody likes it. Like yeah, like if you're having a giant get to get together, <laughs> I'm expecting you to barbecue. Yeah, like yeah. what did they expect? Like it was going to be a catered event. Like the Clarks went in there being like, or the Kents went in there being like, yeah, yeah like, like <laughs> okay, like thanks for the update. Yeah, but... I'm like, all right, what what who was going to be cooking? This just in, sky's blue. Yeah, yeah, it was just such an awkward scene. Like I I understand they wanted to play off the awkwardness, right? Yeah, but... no, they definitely did. I mean, well, and they were trying to introduce again the tension of Lana and him, yeah. or uh, not Lo- of Lois and him, with obviously what just went on with the the. Uh, meeting. Yeah, because obviously Kyle Cushing does not want to have anything to do with Clark Kent, no. right? and vice versa. So when they start having the meeting, and obviously when Loa meets up with Kyle too at the grill, and they have a you know back and well, forth. Yeah, the tofu burger. Oh, we we don't we don't have tofu burgers. Oh that no that's all right. I was here for a full rack. Yeah, I like I say her timing this episode with everything. Well, and that's just nails Lois. But that's Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah, her her line back. Like them having her have that line back was like. That's Lois Lane. Like, she would be the hard nose. No, I want to fucking give me a whole rack of ribs. Like, I'm not going to sit here and eat one slab of rib. Like, give me a whole thing. Yes. So, obviously, they're going back and forth about the edge deal. Then the kids. The kids are doing the kids' things. I I, I don't mean to be, like, so negative. Because I, I know. was not coming off that way. But it was just, it was pushing the story along. But there wasn't that, like, real big moment except... The brothers are, you know, you see this when you have family members. Right. You have that back and forth, but at the end of the day, you got their backs. Right. Like, and I just, I don't know, the whole dynamic with uh, Lana's daughter, the boyfriend, and then the two boys. It's forced. It's forced. Exactly. Like, like even Jonathan, like, calls her out, like, what do you see in Sean? Yeah. And she's like. He can be nice at moments. He's like, I mean, it's, he, it's, yeah, he it's, can. It's the same dynamic you see between Clark and Lana. Yeah. At, le- yeah. at least in Smallville, where it's like early season Smallville, where, and I know I keep going back to it, but Christ, I'm rewatching it, where it's very awkward at points between Clark and Lana, where he wants to talk, like, even, even to the point where Lex and, and Pete, like, listen, dude, like, 
her boyfriend is off serving the military in some other far part of the world. Like, take your shot. Like, go for it. He's like, no, no, I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't. It, it's the it's the vibe between them, but it's their kids. Yeah, it's just something that it's not really inventing the wheel. Shall we? No, say. it's not. But, I get. I. But it, it it just feels so forced. Yeah. Like, okay, we have young kids. Hey, everybody's gonna try dating each other. Like. I expected with the show, like, they were going to do something a little different with it. And Chris, Not- there, was a, there was an episode in season two of Smallville, because I just watched the other night, where Clark takes up a job where Lana where Lana's the owner of a coffee house just so he can be closer to her. Yeah. Like, there, there's some little nuances that I was just like, okay, with the story, all right, I get it, high school drama, I'll deal with it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, I and, mean... And, but it's, it goes back to the whole point, everybody's got to get their stuff in. Right, and I know that eventually it's going to there's going to be a payoff, you know, at some point to what's going on. So I know it's kind of just, it's uh, on the back burner, so to speak right now, because obviously the boys have other things going on. So I know there'll be a payoff to this. I just, just, just don't do like Smallville didn't take 10 seasons. If they're going to be a couple, don't do 10. Take, I, no, exactly. Don't take yeah. ten, seven goddamn seasons. to put No, them like I, there's got to be a payoff. Cause I mean, here's Jonathan, you know, having already be on the back burner and then you know we don't need this the relationship or the the cat and mouse game to be mm. you know another thing on the back burner yeah it's just something that'll, that's just that'll work out. that's just splashed in to be like all right we gotta move the story along so boom here's the two of them together you yeah. know what i mean yeah like i say it was something to move the story along nothing really super like whoa but you have to see where the payoff goes but they're juggling around so many characters that at least they're getting everybody time it just some areas were stronger than others. Sure. And obviously we go back to another strong area because during the cookout, we're, uh, Clark gets called away to go save Sam Lane at his base, which you, you, you touched upon too. And when he's going to stop the attack, before he gets there, Luthor has this one-on-one moment with, with Lane Yep. that was very telling. And he was saying, listen, I'm trying to help you. Superman is going to destroy everybody. Right. I. You know what he is, Sam. You know what he can do. You know who he is. Right. So he's playing on the fears of the metahuman. Yep. And then he gives him a parting gift, a dog tag. Yep. Yep. That will come into play a little later. But during this time, Superman winds up coming in, and then he defeats Luthor, or so we thought, in another great action sequence. And then it's revealed that the Luthor he was fighting was an android. Mm-hmm. So, but now they have their suit, have his suit, which yep. is a yeah. bit of a problem for Luthor. Yeah, because what is it? He goes, "Oh, we need to build a new suit," and the AI goes, "Oh, well, it's going to take some time for us to acquire the materials to rebuild your suit." Yes, so that'll be another point moving on. That this Luthor is not a like the same Lex Luthor that we've seen in the past. Right, right. it's it's not exactly uh, John Cryer. Right, right. This one is, uh, as we'll go into a little later in the show or the segment rather. That he is a soldier at heart. He's not the billionaire scientist that we all thought. Yep. Right. That we typically see him. Yep. Because after Lo- uh, Superman does defeat him, he comes back. Lois and him have a heart to heart about everything. I'm finding out about him change, uh, Edge changing her story in the Daily Planet about him yep. to a puff piece. Yeah. Which, which I'm, I'm sorry, should have known that was going to happen. You know, as long as she's been writing and as seasoned as she is. If you're going to write a piece about the dude who owns your newspaper, you should have known he was going to change it. Well, I kind of thought it was a I, Lois just testing the water, you mm-hmm. know, kind of way of like, I'm going to write Maybe. this regardless Maybe. of who he is. Yeah. And then with her getting it back and seeing like it was edited because the shock that she had, you know, the the overall like he changed my article and the rage that she had. It was almost like, a, all right, I've tested it because obviously the next scene is 
her going to the Daily Planet and turning in her resignation yeah. in the most epic way of this is the most this is the best thing I've written in the last since you've owned the Daily Planet and hands it over. Yeah, and, the, and as she walks out, the assistant standing in the corner or by the doorway goes, "He's going to crush you," and she just goes, "Let him try." Oh, I loved it. Yeah, loved it. Very lowest lane. Showed no fear. Yep. And it was an awesome moment because as Superman's doing his recap of everything going on and obviously trying to work with Jordan and and you know making peace there. Yeah, because we find out Jordan doesn't have any powers and Clark's very upset. Yeah, he's upset. Which, I real quick, I really think that this leads to the final scene of what we see with Luthor because his disappointment to find out again he is alone yeah. is what plays to that, and I'll get to that when we, when we get there. No, you bring up a great point because, as he says, there's no powers and, and, John, and Jordan's let down by this. So we kind of are going to wait and see what happens, even though they still have to explain well what happened at the original party where his laser or his uh, heat vision went off. Right. Well, so to that point, I think it's you know more of a fight fight or flight. Yeah. Response like like Jor like Jor-El says he doesn't absorb enough power that when that happened you know it was a one off you know it was just so I mean I don't I think it will I eventually there's going to be the boys are going to have something like the payoff of the show is going to end up being. They'll one be, of them, or be the both super, of them. Yeah, they'll be the super sons. Yeah. Um, but I think right now, though, it was a fight-or-flight response. Same with when the things fell off in the barn, mm-hmm. the steel pipes, yeah. fight-or-flight. It's going to be an interesting play about what happens while Clark is dealing with that. Lois goes back to Metropolis and does a mic drop moment on Morgan Edge, busting in the office of the Daily Planet and saying, this is the best thing I've ever written. Yep. And it's two words, I quit. And then she goes back to join the Smallville Gazette. Run by one person. Uh, one, <laughs> one editor, one writer, one copier, one printer, one janitor. Yeah. Yes. So that'll be a little fun play to go on. And then they close the episode with a flashback. Uh-huh. Well, for, uh, we see Sam holding the dog tag, looking at it with it, the encryption of hell. Mm-hmm. But then he flips it, and it's 7734. Seven, yep. So what is that going to mean? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see, but we do see the sequence where Luthor is remembering his Earth and is showing a battle mm-hmm. where he is in the trenches with yeah. one Sam Lane, mm-hmm. and they're fighting who? Uh, Superman. Yep. Yes. Elseworlds. Yes. That's yep. my guess. Oh, yeah. that It's screamed of Elseworlds, and Superman winds up using his heat vision on everybody. It's very slowly. Decapitate, decapitates him. Yeah. Very slowly. Yeah, which... I had Injustice vibes from this. I mean, I mean, you don't see heads come off, but re- having rewatched the episode a little bit ago, the, if you watch where the heat vision goes, it, it goes for the neck. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's very um, telling that Injustice was in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, 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 at first I was like, oh, he's playing a game. But then when, I, when they wrapped this scene up, I was like, oh, they were... Sprinkling a little seed there. Oh, it's so beautifully done. But I don't. So I don't think it's going to be the the. So the black suit was what he was wearing, which mm-hmm. I, a I can't believe uh, yep. that they got away with on <laughs> for a CW they're show. They're getting a lot. Yeah, they're away getting. With they're this. giving a lot of leeway with things, which I'm really surprised about. But that's good because a lot of other of the DC shows that have been on the CW have really been held back by what they mm-hmm. can and can't do. So it's good to see that they're being given this wiggle room. But what I um, I think is going to play because I really again this show everything has a meaning to it you know yeah. especially from what the first two episodes were so I, I mean I, I can't say this for the rest of the season but right now from what I'm seeing everything is having a payoff so I think 
in the fortress when he finds out that Jordan doesn't have the power, the disappointment, again, I'm alone. I am the last Kryptonian. I am the last of my, you know, kin. Mm-hmm. That pain that he had, I think that this will be the telling of that other world of Superman where Superman was sent here to rule the planet, yeah. was sent to Earth to restart Kryptonian blood, to restart his kind. And I think that's going to be that Superman because again, I think that that scene has too much meaning for it just to be washed away. Like that pain is going to be what lead that Superman to being like, that's why you were sent here to take over this planet. Pat? No, it's a very plausible idea. I, I can see it happening. I can definitely see it happening too. I mean, if they're going to start tampering with Elseworlds, that's not a bad thing. It's no. just, it's surprising since they just came off crisis. That, but that's the right. only thing, but I'm not mad about it. And then one thing you know about the DC Universe is they like to hit the reset button on their timelines quite often. They just did it in the comics. No, but I, I think this could also be a way for them to, like, all right, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of brought everything together. I think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, and, I mean, we've seen it from these first two episodes. It's not out of the realm of possibility for, you know, folks to have slipped through from other universes that we just don't know about yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've already hinted at that, too, with what has happened in Arrow, that last season of Arrow, oh, Flash, yeah. and everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. kind of established. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities that can go with it. So that being said, final thoughts on the episode. Yeah, I'm, uh, I loved it. Great. Uh, second episode, episode three, looks to be you know another um, uh, another good episode. So I'm excited. Superman. Yeah, no, very good episode. I'm even more excited for next week's episode because as I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the show, next week's episode is written by one uh, gentleman named Brent Fletcher uh, who wrote uh, one episode of Lost uh, Numbers in Season 1. He also worked on Friday Night Lights, Spartacus, and uh, some of the later seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., specifically some of the last season, especially uh, the totally excellent adventure of Mac and the D. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he's he's written some good stuff, so I'm excited for that episode. That episode. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Amazing. Yeah, this show has definitely been a surprise. I didn't think they were going to be able to pull off a lot of the Superman action sequences that they have. And this is definitely given a different take on Superman. Like I said, they borrow a lot from Black Lightning in the sense of the family comes first. And you see a lot of the characters are driven there. That is not so much about the action sequences, but they balance out. And they do it very flawlessly, too. And the fact that you got the early renewal, it's not super shocking, but I definitely think it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, this season, I believe, is 15 episodes for the first season. I'm not sure about what the full order is going to be for next year, if it's going to be 22, but yeah, I, I imagine mean, so. With, obviously, Black Lightning and then Flash probably being at, towards the end run here and now Arrow being gone. Flash got renewed. Flash got renewed. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for what? One more? I mean, so yeah, what I'm saying, season. like... I, I think that Superman, obviously, now with Arrow being gone, too, is going to kind of pick up the ball and, and kind of run with it because, obviously, these super the CW shows, a lot of them have had their run. So yeah. like, Especially with the lack of a certain billionaire playboy running around Gotham. Yes, which, I like I say, I'm not doubting we see him appear here at some point. Maybe. But if, he, if they pull that off and it's not Kevin Conroy and it's actually a recasted actor, huge. I think it's going to be Jensen Eccles. Oh, you think they're oh, going to do it? I think they're oh. going to. I'm okay. I'm just going to throw that karma out there that I think it's going to be him. That I think it would be a, a really interesting play to do it. Obviously, we know the story in Batwoman right now and how Bruce is not there. But what's right. to say that he's not going to appear quickly in Smallville and still lay low? I mean, there's so many different stories they can do. 
and that would explain a big crossover that they want to go next season, obviously, yeah, when everything is... it's finest. It, it's long overdue to happen. I mean, I'll be here for it, definitely watching each and every week. As the panel is doing, so we definitely want to interact with you. What was your thoughts about this past week's Lois... Or Superman and Lois, rather. I was only going to say Lois and Clark, but this show is definitely different etch- show. etching its way up there. It's apples and oranges, but, you know, I liken the produce. Then I can't go wrong with this. But that, let's have that conversation, shall we? Superman and Lois, episode two. Let's discuss your thoughts and your takes. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the Grief Breeder Podcast. Podcast. Why don't I want to play any of these games? <laughs> ah, fun! <laughs> Comedy, gaming, and movies. I was going to say two kids in a trench coat, but it's going to be two men in a moth suit. <laughs> All I've got is the image of you putting a net over him. Jordan! Jordan, bigger net! Bigger net! <laughs> Dr. Salvador? No, the bag- guy the bag inside. That's how you and name. Just agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could have been like, man with bag on his head. Sarah? Yes. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Ah, I'm back. My beard's gone. Look how short his face is. Fucking stop it. Tiny face! <laughs> It looks like if a tumor had legs. Yeah, it does. Real gross and big hands. Yeah. Do you reckon you could kill it? I reckon I could. Not you personally. But well, yeah, you fair. said you think I could kill it. Why don't fucking laugh? Help me. <laughs> me tip. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you can't say tip. <laughs> Bashed me tip. <laughs> Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. No, <laughs> no, no, I'd that was, that was <laughs> Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it's time to talk a little sports action and the biggest thing going on in sports this week. UFC 259. Yeah. Three title fights, four champions going at it this Saturday night. It is going to be the biggest fight card of the year. I know thus far. Thus far, but I'm looking at what's down scheduled. Nothing is touching this one right now. Yeah, I mean, three. you can't. Three title fights on one card? Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. We haven't had that, what, in probably a year and a half, two years? <sighs> yeah, I want to say it had to be one of the big UFCs, like... Uh, like 200? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like it, they, they don't stack cards like this just out of nowhere. But this one, a lot of implications for a lot of divisions. Uh-huh. So, Pad, we're going to break down the first or the top three title fights because that's yep. the ones that are going to stand out. And I also want to give a special programming reminder. We are going to be doing live reactions this Saturday on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. So if you definitely want to join in the chat, which we now have 100 followers. Hey, thank you. So that means Rich and Diesel are doing the one-chip challenge at some point. <laughs> So fuck that. Good luck. Yeah, yeah I know I've that. seen what that yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, I watched that Jesus and Miro episode. Yes, no, I've thank seen you. the Shaq video. Yeah. yeah, same here. But they're gonna do it at some point. We it don't do too, dude. That guy almost died on Jesus and Miro show. Like fuck this. Like they, they TNT was a little over the top. Like that kid, like literally almost died. Yeah. Oh, I, I, they understand the challenge. They wanted to do it. I was like, no, I will commentate that thing. Yeah, I will watch. I'm going nowhere near that thing. I'll keep the milk away from you so you can't touch anything and just suffer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Especially like, for your egregious takes. Who let him know? Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't forgotten. Big Daddy, Big Natty, cool. Oh, coach! Is I calling. haven't forgotten. The North remembers. Co- coach is calling something out. I'm. I, I might I put a little this. extra hot sauce on your chip, just so you don't even know. I got some hot sauce that you'd be able to use. Okay. Uh, it's it's got, it's got uh, ghost uh, ghost pepper. It's a ghost pepper hot sauce. And I'm gonna pour the natty down the toilet, and you can't have anything to cool down that palate. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, I know I'm going to be getting some messages after this episode. <laughs> but Saturday night, you definitely want to tune in for that because we're going to be breaking down the fights like we are going to be doing right now. So, Pad, lead us off. Yeah, so the Lloyd Ken side taking place this Saturday uh, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. you got three fights taking place. Uh, the first of which we're going to talk about is for the Bantamweight Championship, where Peter Yan is defending his belt against Aljermaine Sterling. Now, this one has been brewing for a while. Sterling should have gotten a title shot a lot sooner. I, and I know that obviously different factors play in that the UFC was one, you know, giving him more challenges before he got there. I, I honestly think that it has been long overdue for him. Yeah. That I, you know, obviously the fight game, you know, sometimes the rankings don't justify where you should be. But so there are also times they don't pay attention to the rankings. Yeah. Sure. So obviously Sterling has been a top contender for so long now. This is long overdue. Uh, Yan obviously is the pound for pound guy at 135. Yeah. This is going to be a fun fight. Rock'em, sock'em robots here. I am Pretty much. I am super freaking excited about this one. Like, I almost hate calling it, but my early prediction for this one, I got Peter Ian. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, I just, I, um, going into this, I, I, you know, I, I, the Yan's the easy pick, you know, but at the same time, I, I think there's too much skill. You know, the, he just hits too hard. You know, in the stand-up game, um, you know, the edge goes to him, yeah. and, and to me, I mean. I mean, just looking at his record, uh, Peter Yan. Uh, well, let me start with the challenger first. You know, challenger always comes out first. Uh, Aljermaine Sterling has a professional record of 22, um, 22 matches with 19 wins, uh, three losses. Uh, and on the flip side, his uh, champion, uh, uh, Peter Yan, has a match of 16 matches, 15 wins, one loss. Seven wins by knockout, one by submission, seven by decision. Uh, he has knocked out his last fight, uh, July of last year. He knocked out Jose Aldo. Uh, the fight before that was Uriah Faber, who he knocked out with a head kick. Uh, he's beaten Jimmy Rivera by decision. John Dodson he beat by decision. So his his one lone fight was uh, back in March of 2016 in Moscow, Russia. So the dude hasn't lost in a minute. Uh, and then you look over at the last couple of opponents Aljermaine Sterling has post faced. Uh, he submitted Corey Sandhagen back at UFC 250 in June of last year. Uh, he went the dis- uh, distance against Pedro Munoz uh, in June of 2019. Uh, and then his fight before that, he went the di- uh, distance against Jimmy Rivera in February of 2019. I guess my problem really was with this Jan versus Sterling here thing is, Sterling, you know, has been compared to John, you know, Jones, mm-hmm. and has been known to throw, you know, some, uh, some, I don't want to say dangerous, but some, you know, some explosive but risky, yeah. you know, moves that I think Yen, if you throw those on Yen and you don't land, he'll take advantage of. He's definitely going to be looking for that. I mean, Sterling is going to go in there wanting to, not to showboat, but right. he's going to want to do something exciting. No, and, those, and that's how he fights. But, th- yeah, those kind of moves, you know, albeit though risky, you know, have obviously in John's career, you know, led to some <laughs> pretty big victories. So it's like, you know, yeah, there's a high risk, high reward. It's just the problem is when you're fighting a guy like Yen who has the stand-up game that he has and the wrestling game that he has, that if you do, you know, miss on one of those opportunities, he is going to make you pay for it. Yeah. That's why I'm even going to say I think Yan gets a stoppage in the third round. Like, I I, okay. I think that Sterling is going to get caught doing something. Yeah. Like, he's definitely going to be ready for this fight. And like I said, you can't get a better matchup right now at 135 than these two. No, I mean, they're going to go out there and they're going to perform. Yes. This is going to possibly be the fight that steals the card. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with you about that. 
Next up, Pad. Yeah, for the uh, next matchup is the co-main event uh, with the in the women's featherweight division with champion Amanda Nunes taking on challenger Megan Anderson. Does anybody go against Amanda Nunez at this point? So, here's my thing, and I'm watching the you know I'm watching the embedded again going up to the fight, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Nunez has recently uh, her her and her wife have adopted a, a little girl I do believe, um, so her training's a little different, her lifestyle's a little bit different, and you know when you have a kid, that can. Uh, lead to um, some changes in your life. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, they didn't adopt. They they had the little girl. Okay. Um, that can lead to some uh, changes. You know, in your life, and you know, I don't want to say that she's lost her edge because obviously she's still a champion. But you know, no disrespect here. I, we could definitely see an upset here. Okay, Pat. I don't see it happening. Uh, looking at the records, uh, you have Megan Anderson, who in 12, 15 professional matches is eleven and four, uh, with uh, winning her last two fights, uh, one by knockout, the other one by submission. Uh, the third fight uh, she had back in twenty nineteen was uh, she got submitted by Felicia Spencer. Uh, that was at a UFC fight night. Flip side, Amanda Nunes, uh, twenty four matches, twenty and four record. Uh, it'll be easier if I just tell you when the last loss was. The last loss was she got knocked out by Cat. Singano at UFC 170, what is this, uh, 78 in September of 2014. She has not lost in nearly seven years. Uh, going on to defeat the likes of, she is the literal legend killer, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Raquel Pennington, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm. Like, yeah, it's a who's who of, you know, best female fighters. I'm showing the panel right now, oh, the I've UFC.com s- rankings. Oh, I've sure. seen that. There is nobody in the featherweight rankings. And that's well, not new. It's been like that for a while. Yeah. But that's but that's the problem though too. I mean, this fight for uh for Anderson, you know, although she might not be the top contender, she is the hottest name in that division right now. Oh yeah. That hasn't lost to Nunez yet. So, it's almost a, you know, light heavyweight John situation where it's like all right, throw some names in a hat. And let's give them a contender. Well, so, and Anderson is a former featherweight champion. She was she did win the interim uh, Invicta feather uh, featherweight championship and was later promoted to the undisputed champion. Uh, that was back in 2017. Yeah, and I mean she can bang. She's yeah. got hands. And I mean, like Dana said, I'm I, so you're rewatching Smallville. I'm rewatching the Ultimate Fighter stuff. And there's literally you know the episode I just watched goes anybody that is a hard hitter always have a shot. Because mm-hmm. they can always catch you, and it takes one punch. So it, I'm not going. I'm not sitting here saying Anderson's going to win. I'm just saying she's got a puncher's chance. She definitely has a puncher's chance. In fact, uh, Common Man Vinciatoli took Anderson. Okay, well, okay. thank you, Common Man. So making me look really smart right now. Yeah, he definitely was saying that for the reasons you brought up that she's got the chance that it's not completely out of the realm of thought for sure. Nunez to get caught out there. And obviously Nunez has had some life changes in her, in her, uh, since the, yeah, just, I fight. mean, you have, you know, when you have a child mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you, that especially a mother, you've got motherly instincts and that shit kind of takes over and, you know, you change, especially leading into a fight, you know, you're, you're changing your schedule, you're changing your sleep habits, you're, no matter how much you say, like, your spouse is doing X thing, you are still not getting dedicated sleep, regardless, yeah. <laughs> believe me, um, so, like, 
you know that and that type of shit can add up that you know it it changes the way that you train it changes the way that you feel and obviously you know they're going to go into the fight week i'm sure she probably had a quarantine for a week so she might be away from the family right now mm. um but that still doesn't make up for the, the the potential changes in training leading up to this right yeah and i also think that with Nunez, I don't bet against her. No. Sure. That I think Anderson will show up for this fight. Oh, absolutely. But maybe but, we should responsibly because why not? Yeah, She's got to be. The underdog's got to be huge. So yeah. There's a chance. There's got to be a chance with it that Anderson could get lucky and do it. I just say. Amanda Nunez is probably looking at this fight and saying, how many more do I have left? Because right. she's pretty much cleaned out most of the division. She's, she's cleaned in. out the division to the point where there's nobody else listed in the division on the website. Yeah. I mean. Which, like I said, again, not a new development. It's Megan, been like that a while. Megan Anderson is currently a plus 750. Yo. Hey, dog. guys. <clears throat> yeah. Talk off air. Yeah. We, we, we can discuss. <laughs> but if, if I got to say, like, it's tough because I. I hate going against Nunez because, I mean, look at what she's done. She's arguably the greatest MMA women's fighter she, in she history. She is the sure. MMA legend killer. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody, you know what, though? Everybody can get caught. Everybody can lose. It's yeah. true. You know, I mean, I know you can't. Some like people try to box a golden gloves boxing or boxer. Yeah, yeah, I know Habib kind of changed the game on saying, like, everybody's got a loss because the yeah. guy doesn't. But, I mean, Nunez has already lost once, so mm-hmm. it's very easy to do it again. It definitely is. I'm going to say for this fight, I'll say Nunez, and I'll even go on a record, too. I would not doubt her saying she's retiring after this. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. literally, you could put her in against Shevchenko again, but why? And, and, you know, that'd, be, that'd be like the third time, too. Yeah, then there's no point to it. And, I mean, do you really want to drop weight down to 125 and fight there? No, because <laughs> you I know, mean, like unless to do it to say you were a triple champ, I mean, there's something well, what, to be oh, said so there. Oh, so what? This is 145. They're fighting. They're fighting yes, at 145. They are fighting at 145, and she's the 135 champ too, right? Yeah. yeah. So does she really want to drop to 135 to fight there again? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. I think that if there was a number one contender that was really somebody that jumped out at her, she'd probably fight at 135. Yeah. But to go down to like 125, I mean, granted. It would be a huge thing nah, to say you're a triple a champion. It's it's a hell of a cut. I though. I just I watching this. I was shocked that the one she was the 135 champ after watching the embedded stuff because I was like, that's got to be a tough cut. Yeah, like Anderson, they kept talking. You know, on the thing, she's true 145. Like she right. walks around 145. She is 145, so it's not going to be much of a cut. I I can't see Nunez going down to 135 ever again. And to, you know, once she clears out, you know, if she does beat Anderson at one forty five, yeah, what's left? I always said I thought it was foolish the UFC didn't sign resign Chris Cyborg because I, I thought they should. Yeah. I said they should have had that rematch because that's the only contender I see right now. Yeah, that I go, that's a big money fight for Nunez. Yeah, because like I said, I looked it up. She's faced Shevchenko twice and beaten her twice. Yeah, yeah so I mean, Tom, I mean, she yeah, messed was, that eye up, right? Like that was the fight that we watched where she absolutely just obliterated her eye. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Some, it was something that I was like, I don't need to see him fight again. Like I love Shevchenko. Like I think she's a great champion at flyweight. I mean, unless one of the one thirty fives move up, try and fight her at one forty five. But I mean, do they want to do that? You know? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some questions after this fight, win, lose, or draw. 
I'm going to take Nunez in this one, but don't count Megan Anderson out. Sure. Just going to put that yeah. out there. But then to the main event. Yeah, so this is for the light heavyweight championship where Jan Blahovitz uh, is defending his belt against the middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. Uh, should note, uh, this will be the sixth uh, time in UFC history that champions in two different divisions will fight for the same title. Uh, the previous instances being UFC 94, UFC 205, 226, 232, and then a fight night uh, uh, where Cejudo faced Dylan. Uh, and then if uh, Adesanya wins, uh, he would become the fourth person in UFC history to uh, be cha champion in two divisions overall. And he would be the eighth person in UFC history to win a title in two different divisions. The Vegas line has Blahovitz, the light heavyweight champion in a light heavyweight bout, as the underdog Yo. as a one 85. Yo. I mean, that just goes to show, though, the skills of Adesanya. Who, yeah. if, who in uh, 20 professional matches, has a record of 20 and 0, with 15 wins coming by knockout, 5 coming by decision. I, I'm having a tough time with this one, guys. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, because Blahovitz is gonna go in, realistically, probably weighing 245. Mm-hmm. Maybe 230, 235 to 240. He'll be at least 230. Yeah. At least. That's, yeah. So, Adesanya is going to walk in at 205. Maybe 210, 215. So, Blahovitz is going to have him in body weight. Not to mention just the overall stature that Blahovitz is. I mean, he's a fucking big country of a man. Like, he is a big, brolicly dude. Mm -hmm. So,. I, I find it hard-pressed to imagine that if this fight goes to the ground, that Adesanya is going to be able to get up in any shape, way, or form. Now, to contrast, though, he's so quick with his feet, Adesanya, oh, yeah. and so fast with his hands that you know if he's able to stick and move and you know dictate the cage and, and pace, that he should be able to push Blahovitz because, let's face it, in his last fight, he just didn't get it. You know, he just did not get that. Um, he dominated that entire fight against Dominic uh, Reyes. So I I want to go with Adesanya. I just, I just, I'm nervous to say it. I'm going Adesanya uh, just because let me just read off the last six opponents each fighter has faced off against. Uh, so wait, what? Uh, yeah, I'll let Pat speak, but I so, want to show this because uh, it just broke. Dominic Re uh, so Blahovitz beat Dominic Reyes, Corey Anderson, Jacare Souza, Luke Rockhold, Nikita Krylov. Uh, in amongst that, he did lose to Tiago Santos. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, Adesanya beat Paulo Costa, beat Yoel Romero, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, Anderson Silva, and Derek Brunson. No disrespect to Blahovitz. He is a very good fighter, obviously. He is because he's the current champion. He has not faced somebody like Adesanya. Adesanya is on a whole other level. You know, Adesanya is playing chess while Blahovitz is playing checkers. There is a tagline that's on ESPN.com that I'm just showing the panel right now. And it is, Israel Adesanya won't bulk up for two, UFC 259 light heavyweight title shot against Blahovitz. Dude, fuck. That's nuts. That's nuts. Like, yeah. I mean, listen, it's one thing to just, I mean, you got to think he doesn't walk around at 185. No. You know, like, so he probably is pro 195, 200. Yeah. So, all right, quote-unquote bulking up, like, I get. But to literally say that you're going to fight at weight and not even try to add anything against a guy who's going to walk in at 230 minimum, that's nuts. Well, who's he? Th he's not Gracie. 
Yeah. It's not like he's going to try and jujitsu him. He's trying to stand up and bang. So yeah, he uh, <laughs> so Adesanya told this to ESPN. I'm reading the same article Ken was looking at. Uh, Adesanya told this to ESPN's Ariel Hawani in an interview that was published on Tuesday uh, that he is currently walking around at less than 200 pounds. Oh my and, god! And could weigh as little as 193 pounds Friday for weigh. Oh, was I right or what? Though? Adesanya is going up a division to fight Blahovitz for the UFC light heavyweight title Saturday in the main event. Uh, the the light heavyweight to limit for title fights is 205 pounds. Adesanya, who is UFC champ at 185, is like likely to be significantly less than 205 he said uh this last style bender said he's not doing anything differently than he would for a 1-885 pound fight adding that it could that he could make 185 on friday <laughs> if he needed to quote same flex baby uh, same thing it's just silly to me when people go and decide to add more muscle to their frame that they're not used to over the years working this game close quote i get that but to not even add anything and to, to to dare say that you're gonna fight at 185 uh, or to you know not to, to be to say that you're willing to go to 185 or you could if you had to that's yeah. 50 pounds yeah, he he joked that he will not be ordering uber eats or desserts this week in <laughs> vegas to add pounds he said he'll work with his usual nutritionist uh, like he would for a middleweight fight and might even jump into a hot bath to cut some weight adesanya explained it would be good quote for my routine my mind uh, quote, I, if I fought a guy that was 300 pounds, I could probably still beat him, Adesanya said, adding that Blahovitz won't be heavy enough for the result to be altered. But there's a problem if he grabs me and decides to pin on me, quote was quote. Uh, doy. <laughs> like, that's... Wow. If Blahovitz decides to wrestle, which he does have a background in wrestling, uh-huh. you're not getting up. You are not getting up. I'm sorry. Like, you're not. This is one of the <laughs> wildest things I've ever read. I am sorry. I like. Let me say this: Israel Adesanya is the closest we have to an Anderson Silva right now. Pretty much. Well, yeah. And Silva used to fluctuate to two hundred five and one eighty five. Right. But he would weigh two hundred five. Right. Adesanya, if he wins this fight, this will be one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. For the sheer fact, if he comes in below two hundred pounds, yeah, he's gonna kick his head off and and knocks him out. Like, like just hypothetically, he gets a stoppage. This would be arguably one of, if not the biggest upset, just for the sheer weight and size difference. Like when yeah. he fought Paulo, this last fight, yeah, you know that he got down to one eighty to one eighty or one eighty five, yeah, and got back. Like he probably weighed two hundred mm-hmm. in that fight. You're now talking about you weighing 185 and fighting somebody weighing 230. 50 pounds. Yeah. Like, that's that's a, that's a lot when you're talking about a guy laying on you, potentially, and and sucking the wind out of you because he's literally crushing your 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 lungs. I don't think he'll let him get close enough to, to make that a factor. Because, he can't. Because, he can't. Because... Adesanya is a former kickboxer with a record of 75 wins and five losses. Yeah, but, I mean, nonetheless, dude, like, if he does get him to the ground or gets him in any sort of clinch, that's a problem. I think he's probably, I bet he's been prepping for this. There might be somebody in his camp who's really good at taking guys down. He's just like, listen, give me everything you got. I mean, yeah, Adesanya's going to be prepared for this. He, he probably trained with, like, no, three guys trying to yeah, 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 I'm not discrediting him. No, I wasn't saying yeah. you were. I wasn't saying you were. I'm just looking at this going, I'm sure he's going to be prepared for it, and I'm sure the game plan is stick and move 
Because if he gets taken to the ground, it's a wrap. The only thing that will be on his side will obviously be if he's keeping the normal routine, his cardio is going to be through, through the, the roof. roof. Oh, yeah. So Blahovitz, you know, definitely started to taper off in that third round yep. against uh, Reyes. So, like, if he can get it to the later stretches and continue to push the pace – that would be where he gets it. He's right. not going to win this in the first two rounds. No, it's no, going to be three, no. four, and five. Unless it's like a fluke thing. No, yeah, no. I saw he's got to drag him deep and, water. And you can't forget, like, Blowitz is used to getting hit by guys who weigh two thirty. So when you're getting hit by a guy who weighs a lot less, like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure like Blahovitz's punches and kicks. Or uh, Adesanya's punches and kicks feel like a cement truck coming at you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, DC just talked about it with John. And, I mean, I think he was being legitimate about it. About oh, he John. was. Yeah, and, I mean, John obviously took it with some sour grapes. Yeah. But, like, y- the weight behind your punches matters. So, like, when you're used to getting hit, you know, by Derek, Like, John Jones and Derek Lewis don't throw the same punches. No, no, So, no. for John to then go fight, you know, these guys who have fought Derek Lewis, they're going to feel like they're getting tapped on the cheek in comparison. You know what I mean? So, like, and DC wasn't wrong. Like, your body weight matters when it comes to throwing volume punches. So, I just, for him to weigh 185, I mean, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to hurt the same. It's going to hurt, but Adesanya is just going to have to stick with what he he does best, and that is kicking people in the leg and chopping them down like it's a tree. Because we've heard that constant times where, because, like we said, Adesanya undefeated. You know, they come through the fight, and the fighters always, in some variation, say to the effect of, fuck, my leg hurts. Yeah. Yeah, on that, calf kick's going to be, if there's an over-under on calf kicks... Take the over. Take, take the, the over. over. Take the over all day. Take the over and, and, and buy some stock in whoever they got for rice. Ariel, yeah. I was just listening to the Ariel and DC's podcast, too, and they were talking about uh, limiting, like, the potential banning the calf kick. Because mm-hmm. it's literally crippling fights. Yeah. It's a tough call to make. I understand what fighters are saying about it, but it's part of the sport. So, I mean, dude, you can't you can't take it away. Yeah, I you, mean, you can't. Like, I understand the point. And I understand what they're trying to say with fucking it. Fucking check it. Learn, learn. Yeah. <laughs> no, learn. you can't check calf kicks. So. No, no, it's a tough call to make. But for this one, I think there's going to be that underlying factor. Can Adesanya keep it on the feet, and can he drag an older Blahovitz to deep water that we haven't seen him fight there in a while? Obviously, his last fight was the title fight. If yes. I'm not uh, yes. Yeah. His last fight was for the vacant light heavyweight championship. So that all being said, I am going to take Blahovitz, but I'm not doubting if Adesanya can drag him deep. Like if this goes to the fourth round, Adesanya's taking this. It has not been long since Adesanya went the distance. Uh, he did go the distance against Yoel Romero in March of last year. Yeah, and Yoel Romero, I'm pretty sure, was a bigger fighter than Blahovitz. One hundred percent. Yeah. So. It's not all the realm of thought. I think Blahovitz, though, if he can take him to the ground, and I think he's going to try to for the first three rounds, I think that's where he could sneak something in. I think Blahovitz is getting overlooked, and I think he's going to come in so pissed off that Adesanya might have been off more than he can chew. Yeah, I think for Blahovitz, it's got to be pin, you know, get him in close distance. Yeah, you, you know, got, obviously you got, you got close him the cage. You got to get him up against the cage. You got to get him on the ground. You got to be able to weigh him down, and you got to just keep making him have to work. To get himself exhausted, to you know, getting off of your grapple, yeah. and then you know, knock him out. <laughs> I, I think for Adesanya's, you know, because Adesanya wants to fight John. John wants to fight him. Obviously, they need a crowd for that, you know. But I think if Adesanya wants that fight, he needs to win this. Oh, fight. he does. Because if, if if you say we will still want to see it as fans, but if if Adesanya loses to, to Blahovitz, 
John's all of a sudden going to go, you know what? You lost to a guy who's beneath me and I'm better than him. I'm not going to waste my time I, with you. Well, Honestly, I think John goes back to 05. I th- well, I think John, <laughs> for real. Like I'm just being honest. I think he does. John's got that fight against the winner of Stipe and Ngannou. Right. Nah, and I mean, let me tell you this: if it's Francis Ngannou, yo, John will be coming back. Listen, nothing's nothing's Not on the dotted of them. Hey, yeah. that was just Dana White talking. That John hasn't. It's yeah. nothing's on the dotted line. So it's very easy that you know Blahovitz could win this, call out John. Or Blahovitz could win it and say I'm the greatest light heavyweight champion of all time, and it's a very easy story for John to squeak his way back out of. And yeah. I'm listen, yeah. no disrespect. I'm just saying like it's a very easy narrative for him to say, "All right, you want to do this, then I'm going to come back to 205 and take my crown," which would be the easy. It would be an easy out. Yeah, it would be, but you gotta wait and see what happens but it's all going to come down to what happens on ufc 259 this weekend so definitely hit us up in the chats what are your picks for this weekend do you think adesanya is going to be the next champ champ or do you think blahovitz is taking the belt what do you think is going on with amanda nunez and don't sleep on that bantamweight fight that's gonna be definitely a fun one to watch don't sleep on that light heavyweight fight before it either yeah santos Yep, Santos is coming back to fight uh, the number four contender, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of fights going on. We'll be talking about them on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast. So if you haven't followed already, what are you waiting for? Drop that follow. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, my lovelies. My name is Chantel, and I'm the host over at Lady Justice True Crime. Lady Justice is a weekly podcast that covers fascinating cases, both past and present, from around the UK and Ireland. Some of them are strange. Many are unbelievable, all of them are completely unique, and are someone's story. So please come join me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we got a local minute to talk uh-huh. about. Yeah, man. Uh, the Binghamton Bulldogs uh, started their uh, season with a victory over uh, Spa City. Okay. Uh, or, excuse me, they had two games this weekend. They had their first game against Spa City, uh, and then they had their f- other game, which is not on their account for some reason. Uh, that was a victory. So the Bulldogs are 2-0 and right now. Cool. Sorry about that. Uh, they beat, uh, in their second game, the uh, Spa City Gamblers 134-121. to uh, Ralph Wilson, uh, Williams, geez, my God, 50 points, 8 assists, 7 boards, and 4 steals. Newcomer Ben Walters had 21 points. Cecil Lane had 21 points. Jordan Pryor had 10. And Jackson Henry had 10 points doing contributions, all to a 2-0 start for your Bulldogs. So what you're saying is defense was optional in that game. Well, then the ABA it is. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is definitely take the over every game. Yeah, this is true. Uh, looking at some Binghamton Devils news, uh, the games they had this past week, uh, they lost in overtime on Wednesday to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms by a final score of 5-4. to four. Uh, They had a game, back-to-back games against uh, the Hershey Bears on Friday and Saturday. Friday, they lost by the final score of 6-3. to three, uh, And then Saturday, they lost again by the final score of 3 to nothing. Looking at the games they got coming up uh, this week, uh, they got a game taking place this Saturday against uh, the Penguins. Game time, 7 o'clock. Uh, and then Sunday, they have another game against the Hershey Bears. Uh, game time, 4 o'clock. For more information, BinghamtonDevils.com. 
So that all being said, let's talk about those one-shots, shall we? Yeah, i got a couple things to talk about, a couple of entertainment things and then one sports thing. Uh, real quick, uh, it appears that E3, of course, that is the uh, gaming convention that takes place every year from uh, Los Angeles, will not be held uh, publicly and will be going fully digital. This according to LA City Documents. Uh, this was spotted by a site and then a, 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 quote, a new report published by the Board of Los Angeles Convention and Tourism uh, development commission states that e3 2021 live event is canceled and that the city is quote working with the production team on broadcast options at la live slash lacc uh, furthermore it is working with the esa on licenses for both 2022 and 2023 so unfortunate news but totally not unexpected given the way things are going right now it's not quite ready to have massive conventions open yet uh, so that's to be expected uh, switching to some video game news, they had a. It is, of course, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon first coming out. Over, wow! Yeah, I know, 25 years, absolutely bonkers. My kids right now. I mean, not outside of even just the McDonald's stuff, sure. which was just really coincidental timing. Yeah. Um, with everything, have been obsessed with it. My, I got yeah. my son right now is scavenging for cards. Nice. Wants Pokemon. Nice. Uh, go for his uh his uh, uh iPad. Nice. The whole getting the uh, whole thing right now. It's nuts in the house. It's almost like, it's almost like back in back in ninety seven. Dude, wow. it does. I literally uh, I like I mean I already say that he's a carbon copy of sure, me. So like sure. seeing him go through this phase, I'm like Holy shit. Yeah. I, I live this. Yeah. So they announced uh, Middle Point last week that uh, Nintendo did that there was a the Pokemon company that there was going to be a live stream. And everyone, anytime they have a live stream for Pokemon stuff, you know it's going to be big and they're going to make some announcements. And they did make some rather shocking announcements. Uh, first of which was uh, they announced Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, those are remakes of the. 2006 games for on the Nintendo DDS being Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. This is something I know fans have wanted for a very long time. And now, to quote uh, Plankton and SpongeBob, they don't know what to do now that they're actually here. They never mm. thought they'd get this far, so people are definitely excited for that. Uh, they announced an open-world uh, Pokemon game called Legends Arceus, I think is how it's called. It's announced for early 2022. Uh, this is taking place in the same region that the two, the previous game I just mentioned uh, happened, but it's in the going to be set in the past. Uh, it's set, like I said, set to be released in early 2022, uh, and it features a game world that is reminiscent of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, if you've ever played or seen that, uh, with Pokemon appearing all over. Uh, and then it says, quote, uh, article from IGN says, players uh, will be creating Sinnoh's first Pokedex featuring uh, Pokemon such as Rowlet, Cyndaquil, and Oshawott as their starter Pokemon. And then lastly, they showed off some new, uh, gameplay for the new version of uh, Pokemon Snap, which Lord knows I'm excited to at least try that. I know that I'm excited to get that, and I'm making my kids get excited to have I'll that. Say, if you've never <laughs> played uh, the original Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64, if you know somebody who's got a Nintendo 64, pick it up, try it. It's a lot of fun for its age. Countless hours. It's st it still holds up. Uh, and then the last couple of things, a couple of uh, comic picks for you. Uh, there's new Star Wars High Republic co uh, comics coming out this week. Definitely you should check out. But the one that caught my eye, uh, there's if, for those of you who don't know, there is a James Bond comic uh, that's been in uh, publication for a couple of years now. There's a new issue that came out this week, uh, first of a new series titled uh, Agent of Spectre. Uh, in the description of basically the, uh, what is happening is, I guess there's a civil war taking place in the organ criminal organization Spectre. Uh, the, some of the folks in there are trying to take out its head in Blofeld, uh, and Blofeld, in an act of desperation, is looking to get a little help and gets James Bond to help him. So you now have Bond helping out Blofeld, and I read the description and I was like, all right, you have my attention. Sounds all very amazing, too. And let me pick you back some comic picks as well. Infinite Frontier Zero is out. Yeah. Resetting everything for the DC Universe. Yep. Fantastic read. 
Batman 106 is out too. Uh, I don't even want to spoil anything there, but Tinian's run continues picking up steam. And definitely want to plug Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels' Noctera, which is out now too. I mean, I got, I got my Kickstarter in the mail for it. Fantastic yeah. read. Yeah, and then uh, one sports thing I got to mention, I got to wish uh, get well soon to uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone, who had surgery today and should know since the article got posted, uh, successful surgery, uh, to have a pacemaker put in place. Uh, he had open heart surgery in 2009, uh, and he said in a statement that he's, quote, had mild symptoms of lightheadedness, low energy, and shortness of breath over the past six to eight weeks, uh, and said further tests in New York prior to spring training indicated he had a low heart rate, necessitating the surgery. Uh, like I said, uh, surgery did go successfully, so wishing Aaron Boone a very speedy recovery, and fuck the Astros. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I just uh, have a little bit of cross news, so take your drinks for those playing at home. Uh, the PLL announced that uh, they will no longer be doing the subscription-based service that they were doing prior to NBC Gold, and will actually be switching over to uh, the Peacock network so all the games will be streamed on that platform so for those people who uh have gotten it for uh your ability to rewatch the office for the 17th time (laughs) or the 17th millionth time uh now you can also pick up some lacrosse games uh the base thing is going to be the 499 obviously the uh lacrosse network uh just retweeted the uh jim playing lacrosse in the office where he throws the snowball at dwight so fantastic little (laughs) connection there um there is going to be, I believe, 20 games that are going to be broadcasted on the uh, NBC platform with uh, 23 games that will broadcast 20 uh, exclusively on the Peacock network. So you're going to get 20 games this season between the two, NBC and NBC Sports, um, and then 23 games uh, on the, uh, on the uh, Peacock uh, network. So... Uh, awesome way. I mean, it seems like lacrosse is going to be broadcasted nationally, so that's fantastic. Great news for me as uh, it's been very upsetting not being able to go to Q's games with my son this year, so I'll be able to catch all the PLL games from my Peacock Network, which I now have to get because of that. Well, between that and the WWE, Peacock and the, and the WWE, yeah. I Well, dude, these damn subscription things are going to suck me dry. I no, mean, exactly. Everybody thinks you cut the cord with cable and it's so par- much cheaper. I was, I was talking to her last night after this because the announcement got made late afternoon. And I was like, you know, Paramount now is going to have you buy the balls for kids because mm-hmm. they're going to have all the. Uh, SpongeBob and Nickelodeon stuff, and they're going to be doing the movies and all that stuff, which my which my kids are going to want to see. And now this is going to have me because if I ever you know want to dabble in rewatching The Office or Parks and Rec, now Lacrosse in the WWE Network, I'm toast. You know, you're not going to have enough time. And it's only a matter of time until sports go directly to there. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a longer wait, though. I mean, it, I think it it's going to happen, but I, I think it's, in, it's inevitable. Yeah, it is. It's like Thanos. Yeah, you can no, you just you here. already because CBS already said they're going to broadcast football games mm-hmm. yeah. on their yeah. streaming on the yeah. Paramount streaming service. So it's only a matter of time until Fox gets one, and then all of a sudden Fox, you're going to see. By the mouth. Yeah, all of a sudden you're going to see no more <laughs> games on cable TV, and you're going to have to buy the subscriptions. Yeah. But the only way to see the games. Is if you have the cable subscription in order to watch, like they're just gonna absolutely. It's like ESPN; they hog tie you. You can't get ESPN Plus, or you can you can't watch ESPN stuff without having a cable subscription. But you can't watch it without Plus. Fuck, they got you. Yeah, they got you. And especially like we said about bringing up WWE. Yeah. Some quick wrestling news. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because we got to talk about wrestling on the show. Bobby Lashley 
new champion. Congratulations. Oh, man. This long was overdue. Long overdue. Obviously, this sets up big things for WrestleMania. Potential. I, I, I pre- Lots of potential. I, I, I got to say, I got to laugh out of the video I saw, obviously, next morning because I had to go to bed. Uh, but the video of Leo Rush uh, doing the Lashley laugh. Because yes. I saw the tweet that night. He says, if Lashley wins the belt, I'll do the chant again. And he then did the chant. I was like, oh, that warms my heart. He backed it up. I mean, Lashley, since he's been with the Hurt Business, has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And to see him finally get some time to really develop his charisma. Well, I mean, it's been tough because obviously when he came back in 2016, 2017. 16, 16, yeah. yeah, The stories were he was brought in to face Lesnar. He was brought in to chase the gold. He was brought in to be a champion. And then, you know, kind of was just thrown in the mix of the mid-card stuff and was kind of an afterthought almost to the point where people probably thought, you know, he was either going to ask for a release or 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 try to get released. And, you know, then the Hurt Business comes up, MVP comes back, um, and now here we are. Yes. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome to see that he is now the WWE champion. He's got a big future going. It's a WrestleMania yeah. season. The door is wide open there. Yeah. And to flip it to AEW very quick, as we are recording tonight, Shaq is debuting on the show. Who gives a shit? Well, they had a big media scrum, too, so I definitely want to plug Rich from 3FN was covering for 607 Podcast. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, go ahead. Let me. I'm going to bring something up that was said in this press conference, but go no, ahead. Uh-oh. You, you can go right well, ahead. Well, i got to get it pulled up, so okay. go ahead. No, he was live tweeting on uh, at 3 Fat Nerds Pod, so you definitely want to check out the live tweets, and you know him and I are going to deep dive into it. I got the audio from the scrum. I couldn't make it uh, to the actual call because of you know real-world problems, a.k.a. I'm working. And... So I definitely am um, going to replay that. We're going to be definitely deep diving into all of that on 607TWS this Thursday. So yet another reason drop that follow. So uh, Cody, in his press conference, <clears throat> has heard from other companies. He's built. He's been in that building new stars is important, but then no new stars are made. He says in AEW they had to build new stars, and they do it the best. Who? Who? Who they built? Who? Who they? Orange Who? Cassidy? Who? Maybe? Who? No, because he he came in as is. That's not a character they built. I I would love to know who they Kenny Omega is. That who they're talking about? Nope. The mid forty bucks. Yeah. Is that nope. who they're talking about? Nope. Were they built? Wait, wait, there? wait. Is it Big Show? Yeah. I'd, Sting. It's so puzzling Jericho? when they say stuff like that. Like it really goes on to something that Taz? I think we've all talked about. Sure. That if you're trying to say you're the new alternative, you need to build new stars. You Listen, can't keep rehashing WCW guys. If you want to say Darby All In is your big star, please have him headline Revolution and let's see the buys. I'm let's telling you see. this. For the pay-per-view coming this Sunday with the exploding barbed wire match yeah. and whatever they're doing with Moxley and, and Omega, like if this doesn't draw... There, I, I'm not saying the writing's on the wall, but this is going to be a, a, a huge thing for them not to overcome. No, here's the problem. Because they have all the, mem- all the momentum with the forbidden door and all that. It's going to. That's the problem. It's going to. It could be a shit pay-per-view, but people are going to buy it. And well, they're going to love it because they're going to be, oh, 
Well, they all need to buy it. That's the big thing because when their buy rates are still around, what, 100000 That's what I'm thinking. I'm looking that up now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, no, here we go. Uh, the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in, in 2019 had a buy rate of 111000 uh, All Out in 2019 had a buy rate of 100000 or slightly below it. Uh, full Gear 2019, 100000 or slightly below it. Revolution in 2020 in uh, February had a buy rate of between 100,000 and 105,000. Double or Nothing uh, had a buy rate of between 115 and 120,000. All Out in uh, September of last year had a buy rate of between 100,000 and 110,000. Uh, and then Full Gear in November had a buy rate of about 100,000. Yeah. I mean, that to them, though, they'll... You can, you can tout it all you want, yeah, but, that, but that's what they'll do, and that's what the that's what the Meltzers and, and Alvarezes of the world that's what they'll do. A yeah. hundred thousand buys for a an up and coming company that you know only has one show a week and only runs so many pay per views a year. Like that's what the they'll spin zone it, and yeah. that's exactly what they'll do. It's absolutely interesting to see how this all is coming to fruition about that because, like I say, I'm going to watch the pay per view. We're going to be doing this on Twitch.tv. You're part of the problem. Nah. No, because because we're actually paying to watch oh, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're the part of the problem. Yeah. No, but, I'm just kidding. You yo, guys got a job to do. So. Yeah. So we're gonna definitely do it. But what we're saying is, but you do, don't have to be happy. You don't have to be happy when you do it, Ken. Do oh, you? If the if the show mm. actually surprises me, I'll be good. But I'm mm-hmm. looking at the card right now, and then, like I said, I'm gonna deep dive into it on Thursday. I, this has to draw for doing this kind of match as a main event. You got to pull in at least one fifty, if not higher. Yeah, but the up and coming Sting's going to be on the card. Exactly. Doing, so the if, up and coming sixty so, year old. So if you think about this, if sixty one year old Sting isn't drawing, you just signed the Big Show. You know he's going to be on there. In fact, I'm even saying you might have him versus Shaq because hey, why not? We've all been waiting for well, this. Allegedly, it's all, the problem is All Star Weekend. Yeah. So unless they tape it, Shaq can't be there. That's why they're doing the Shaq match tonight. Well. I think they're just trying to avoid trying to go up. Originally, they were supposed to go against uh, UFC 259. So that was going to be a losing battle. Ain't got battle. the fucking stones. Ain't got the stones. <laughs> I think they're smart and said we had no chance against that one. The NBA All-Star Game, I, they have a chance to draw, but this also depends on what you're going to present with the card. Tonight's Dynamite is going to dictate the pace for that. Personally, I'll be watching Julius Randle playing the All-Star Game and get his 14 minutes, if that. <laughs> Fourth seed in the East, baby. Yeah, baby. No, I mean... No, I just there. It's going to be spin zoned. It's going to be sold as the greatest pay per view. Mm-hmm. It's going to be sold nine as, and a half stars. Yeah, it's going to be sold as you know that death match is the greatest death match to ever be a death match. The greatest thing since Bash at the Beach '96. Yeah, I mean, so and I'm just going to get tired of hearing it, and I'm just going to go numb, like I always do to all the AEW stuff because it's just numbing at this point. Yeah, I I just tend to stay off of internet wrestling like a full 24 hours after Wednesday. Well, it's I'm going to be because let's be let's be honest, it's a circle jerk. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be watching and I'll give my honest reviews. You know, I always like to cut it straight and so so is Rich. So, like I say, tune in for Thursday's TWS 607 and you'll definitely hear the takes. And obviously Sunday night we'll be doing the live reactions to AEW Revolution, so stay tuned for that. Very quickly cuz we said we were going to talk about it. Quick hits, non-spoiler, Flash season premiere. A little bit of a letdown. A little bit of a letdown. Yeah. They've just picked up where they left off literally last season. Yeah, they had a yeah force. kind of sloppy. Kind but of they, didn't have a, they didn't have a choice. They so. didn't yeah. have a choice. They tried making some chicken salad out of chicken stuff. Didn't really connect. I know they had the one major quote-unquote character death. Which would have meant a lot if it was at the end of last season. Right. But beginning of this season, eh. It, it, yeah, there was just a lot of stuff that with this return, it just didn't connect. 
and I just really wanted to get done with the current storyline. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm tuned out. I watch it because it's on before Superman and Lois. I really do enjoy The Flash when it's good, but, you know, it's just kind of losing its speed to me. Hey! Hey! hey. Boom! I see what you did there! I go. I had to go sneak in there because I didn't want to be, you know, playing dead because I got to talk Walking Dead now. Hey! Oh! oh. The punnery, it comes. Hey! So, they, Walking Dead has returned for its... Uh, <laughs> They're still alive? <laughs> 10.5 season. Yep. And this episode, Pat, how would you describe it? Uh, it was pretty good, all things considered. I'm, I'm, I will say, since the last episode aired in October of uh, last year, so it's been five months, which, you know, is a long gap, you know, uh, might be the longest they've ever had in the show's history uh, without looking up in front of me. Uh, I'm glad they played the episode prior uh, in the hour beforehand, or else I would have been lost as all hell. Uh, but no, this, this was a good, it was a good episode. It, it felt a bit like a, a epilogue in a book. You know, in terms of last season, but it was good. Yeah, it, it tied up last season very well. Obviously, we had the return of Maggie. Yep. And her story has actually got some promise to it. Yeah. They didn't touch upon it that much. Albeit, though, the new antagonist for the show, I'm so not impressed Maggie's with. Backpack? Maggie's yeah. Backpack? Maggie's Backpack. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, she short-lived outside run? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, her former show got canceled, got canceled. so she's back. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. So, but not, she's back, so the time. Easy to fall back, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, obviously The Walking Dead, as long as you're not killed off on screen, you're welcome back whenever they can fit you in. Yeah. I mean, they're, even they're if very you're, Even that. if you're killed off, you could come make a comeback and uh, appear in a bizarre dream sequence. Right. But this episode, like I say, was okay. Yeah. I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. And like I said, the new antagonist, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling that right now. Well, I don't think it's the new antagonist going forward. I just think it's just for right now, it's the antagonist. Yeah, it's just who they are. But I think they got... they're teasing the next season with the promo. Yeah, the promo for next season actually look good, which they're going to do this summer. They're all... Uh, say they're also well yeah that was the big announcement is that they're not waiting until october to come back they're doing the uh, start of the final season in the summer uh and they're also doing some casting yeah so we'll definitely have to stay tuned for that and to kind of cap off this edition of the odph want to mention to san diego comic-con actually speaking of cons because usually walking dead premieres during new york comic-con sure San Diego has announced that it will be going online as an event this year yep. from July 23rd to July 25th. Same yep. thing with WonderCon, which is going to be happening March 26th and 27th. That will be online this year. The press release, according to at comic underscore con, their official Twitter page, uh, lays out the dates for this. And obviously with the challenges going on right now in the pandemic era, they said we're going to just wait again to do it. So they are explaining the situations. But they also have teased, I don't want to say teased, but they have... Uh, announced about an event that is going to be happening in November, hmm. which they are saying is going to be a three-day uh, in-person event in San Diego. So what does that entail? I'm not sure at this point. I'm going to say make sure you're, you're following comic-con.org for more information when it becomes available. We're going to definitely keep our eye on it as soon as some real official news is announced. We'll definitely talk about it because once this news broke, we were getting hit up on DMs asking about New York Comic Con. Don't know. We don't know yet. Way, it's uh, it filed under the. It's way too goddamn early to know. Right, but I think the promising sign, if you want to look for some hope here, New York is slowly opening the theaters back up. Yep. So we'll see where we are around we'll say, May June time. I yeah, because I would say in a normal under normal circumstances, uh, those who are fan verified and can get the early release of badges for New York Comic Con, we usually get the first email about when that'll happen late May, early June. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely stay tuned for that. Check out findthemetaverse.com, though, in the meantime, because I know they are running some events online as yeah. well. A lot of stuff going on, so make sure to follow the ODPH because we will be making sure we are talking about it on Twitter, on 
Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you find our social media at. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH, we've got a little bit of Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. we got a little bit of Shout at the Robots. They're our friends uh, doing a lot of things on Patreon. That's a cool thing they're doing right now. So if you want to find out about more of what they're up to, Pad, where do you go? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Right on. You head on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with them, Second Suitor, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, all the great music you hear on the ODPH. While you're there, swing on over to the directory. You can check out Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Support Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we're in because, Coach, what is the rule? It was it was all on. No, fuck. <laughs> it wasn't that. No, the official rule is if you claim that you're in a pod group and you're not on a pod chaser with your group's list, you're not in a pod group. Sorry, just saying. And you can definitely tell because we are the third rank group as the Apocalypse. We uh, we are th- part of the first rank group uh, known as Pod Nation, and the second rank group known as Alternate Reality Radio. But definitely want to shout out our friends over at the Legion Independent Podcast and the Inner or Innerd Circle. In Nerd Circle. You definitely want to shout those guys out. They're doing amazing things. In fact, a lot of them had some feedback about last week's episode, so we definitely want to plug those guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. And definitely our friends over at 8122 Productions, which will be hanging out with all this weekend, Rich Ron, Mike C., and, of course, Big Natty Cool himself uh, will be making an appearance. I have heard he's uh, going to try coming through for the UFC fights. We'll have to wait and see. But for everything going on with them, definitely head on over to 8122productions.com. Check out the Patreon. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you comfy seat at the table. All of that, so much more, OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night, and Jared Kiso for Wolverine. Well said. For the one only, Pat one j Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. We'll see you next time. 